I hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Nobody can fuck with us. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. You are my podcast, my only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your ass. It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Are you interested? I know you are, because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phoenix and Phone Boy? Oh, they're horrible. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It's wholesome smut. The whole show. Yes, it is. Wholesome smut, the whole show. Uh, and welcome to episode 125 of The Lotus Effect, which is provisionally titled Embryo Storage Wars. Where the fuck did that come from, honey? Well, we have a story later in the script, and uh, the person who brought this story to my attention was Tigger, and we were joking, uh, pursuant to the nature of the story, and, uh, you know, it, it will all be explained when we explain when we tell the story. But basically, it was with the, well, I don't want to give too no, much no, no, away. No, no, don't Let's give anything away, say, but it's, it's related to a story that's coming up later. It, I'll tell you what. When we get to that story, I will tell you how this show title came to be. Okay, meanwhile. There's only one man who would dare give me the raspberry. And that would be me, because I'm phone boy. And I have no fucks to give. Well, I mean... I am Phoenix. So, are we going to screw soon? Well, that would be the after-after party, Eddie. Um, I so, keep forgetting. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, okay, so I think, we, I think we've, um, okay, so I think we've kind of done, we've, we've kind of shot our wad on the intro here, so I guess we, uh, we, 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 we keep going here. This is kind of strange. This is terrific. I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are I just had an orgasm. Yeah, well, I will have. I, I will, I'm going to wait until the after after party to have my orgasms for Bimmers. But, um, but yeah, okay. Now the problem I just we just we just noticed with this clip, I actually just fixed it during the the during while well, I played that last clip. So I'm a professional, and actually, hopefully, this will not happen again. There's a professional. What we have no idea. Yeah, we, we still don't know the answer to that. But we do know that if I sometimes I need to play a, I need to play a silence clip in order because USB and yeah anyway USB and power and things are an issue. So anyway, you didn't hear you didn't hear you didn't come here to to, to listen to my tech issues. Uh, but the Lotus does affect everyone differently, and sometimes they involve tech issues. And so, however, um, the Lotus is affecting you. Uh, let us know about it. 
I got mail. Yay! Yeah, you can send us a message on the dong, the master dong. Uh, you know, so we've got, so we're uh, we're phone boy at Lotus Effect.social and Phoenix at Lotus Effect.social, P H E O N I X. Uh, it's not followed by a bunch of other stuff anymore. It's just Phoenix at Lotus Effect.social. Just remember to spell it correctly. You can also send Sometimes us email. less is more. That's right. And so uh, you can also send us email, uh, phone boy at Lotus Effect.show, Phoenix at Lotus Effect.show. Uh, if you, if you uh, want our snail mail address, uh, come and talk to us in the back channel. Um, but you can also uh, call 253-237-3321. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingy. Dell Computers, this is Chip. And of course, Ernestine and Chip are not standing by, but Google Voice is. And it will make sure to mangle your transcript and you'll probably become a show title. Now, you would, might want to be wondering, why are you calling 253-237-3321? That's what I want to know. Well, I'm going to tell you. It is to weigh in on this week's DQ topic. That's right. We want to know about that boss. Yeah, well. Or any other show topic or, uh, you know, DQ topic that we've had. Let us know. 253-237-3321. Have a rant about that boss. Now, obviously, we don't expect it to be your current boss. But if you think you're safe to rant about your current boss, feel free to let her rip. Otherwise, just you know, tell us about that one maybe, boss at one time. Maybe, maybe, maybe because we have Wookie in the studio, we could actually get her to, to talk about this. You know what? I'm pretty sure that that is a fair uh, and equitable statement. She probably would be glad to do so. Yeah, exactly. So, so meanwhile, I mean, now I think we've, I think so. Well, we just want to say we, we, it, for those who are not familiar, uh, we do play the voicemails when you call two five three two three seven three three two one. We play them during the Duncan Hines segment of our show. That's why we call it the DQ, the Duncan question. It's That's kind of, right. It's, which also, you know, yes, I know it also potentially means Dairy Queen. So it's kind of it's you know, it's a, it's a which j- if you know us, know you know there's no way in hell it means that simply because we don't. Uh, frequent that establishment. Although I, although I would fuck up a bl- an Oreo Blizzard in about two seconds if one. You're was not allowed to fuck up any Oreos. They're not food. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, I, I do know that. I do know the following though. We'll do anything to be rich. Now, this is what we call the ROI segment, or the return on investment. Now, we we, um, we invest a lot of time and energy to uh, to produce this uh, this program that you're listening to. Uh, that when, might when, shock you with the way that sometimes we look like we have no idea what the fuck we're doing. Well, exactly. But uh, um, so, um, you know, we think it's informative and entertaining. If you agree uh, and, and, you, and you find value in it, uh, turn it into a number uh, and, and then send it to us. And you can do this either using fiat fund coupons. Uh, so we've got a PayPal link on, uh, on lotuseffect.show that's got a, it's a we like money button. Um, you can also boost us uh, using a podcasting 2.0 app. Um, and uh, you can also send us feedback, of course. There's lots, there's, there's ways to do that. So with that, uh, we're going to we're going to talk to we're going to talk about some people that returned value to us and we'll start with mama t love mama t now mama t does not always boost a gram although she has actually started to do that but she sometimes uh, during uh, studio 33 or rideshare radio she will send a, she will send a cash donation and request a song and this time she she had requested all along the watchtower fantastic that, tune yes now meanwhile we've got some boost grams here um and Weirdo uh, uh, boosted uh, 333 sets asking for Moody Blues, Nights in White Satin. And oh, by the way, we do play the, you know, we tend to, when you make requests during Studio 33 or Rideshare Radio using a boostergram, we tend to uh, prioritize it. It's just, a, it's a general uh, 
Yeah. It's a general rule. Uh, and you know, I'm always getting in on this boostagram action. So I put a 3333 in for some good vibrations by the Beach Boys. Yes. Uh, then Weirdo comes in with a knife party centipede, a 333. And then you. A little 3333 again from me for some Go West Faithful. Yeah. Because I'm trying to figure out there's a song we play on our stream that sounds similar to that song. And I, for the life of me, it's going to be forever until I hear it again. I just know because I want to hear it. Any other time I'd hear that damn thing like once or twice a day. Yes. Well, it should it should play, but there's about, there's enough music in there that you should only hear the same song once a week, maybe. But yeah, but it, but who knows? I, mean, I literally heard Star Trekking twice within two hours yes. the other day. So don't put that out there to folks because that's just yeah. not true. So here, it's but here, very possible to hear the same song, same version within a short amount of time of one another because fuck technology yeah, yeah. and computers. Fuck, and fuck Joe Biden. Um, well, however, I wouldn't however, fuck Joe okay, Biden okay, so, so if you, okay, so we'll ask our listeners, if you listen to our stream in the off hours because lotuseffect.stream always has music playing on it 24-7 uh, from my personal collection uh so um if you happen to know what song sounds like go west faithful then let us know that'd be great um now meanwhile weirdo boosted 333 sats and asked for mayday darker shades that was good and then uh, sharky comes in real strong last night with this 10 was during rideshare radio yes he he boosted uh 1010 sats saying tizo touchdown making flippy floppy there you go um then, then weirdo comes in with 333 sats saying ganja white knight uh, redemption that was a good song and then um then he comes in with 333 we, we played a double shot of head pe and he had to play he had to put one more in there uh, middle class blues is what he when he said to play so it's, and it's, and we did actually do double shots all night last night it was a lot of fun yeah exactly now if you want to get involved in this booster grant party well you need to get yourself an app that does it you may need to load it with some satoshis and you know it's gotten a lot easier since when we started doing this for sure um so oh my and uh, and i and i see our voicemail line has uh, is lit up this is good okay so uh, of course it is yeah so meanwhile time to get a new i think it's time for you to get a new podcast app if you want to if you don't if you can't uh, boostagram you don't know what a boostagram is but uh um i do and you may not understand any of this but um you know yeah i think there's a there's a there's a clip that needs to be played here no i won't say that i um understand everything but it was certainly uh, different and Oh, uh, yes. Well, well worth a dollar. Yeah, well, you know, now that well, we hope it's worth, well, more than a dollar to you all. But if not, that's OK. We'll just need to up our game. Now, we've explained ourselves. And I think the only thing there is to do is to take it from. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide and say, give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it. You know, I screwed that up really badly. I, you I, had, think? I, I had my thumb over it. Unfortunately, it went a little too far. I'm 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 hurt and offended. My I, you're always stepping all over me. I'm I'm hurt and offended. I'm I'm going to be over here in my corner licking my wounds. Well, I'm going to tell you the what I tell what I tell everybody else, which is this. We don't want your shit. Please, Please don't send us your shit. shit. Yeah. I'll, give, I'll give you shit all day long because breaking the balls, breaking the balls. Yeah, that's but, what I do. But as for the rest of you, um, you know, just be respectful. That's really it. Oh, um, yeah. I'm glad. Okay, I'm glad Wookie brought up my coffee cup here. This is yes, this and, is and honestly, you know, in, in that, just yeah. when we say be respectful, you know, if you want to tell us we suck, that's fine. But at least be man enough or woman enough to do it to our face and not on your shitty show that being said wow phoenix has a little bit of fucking fire in her today yeah you, you, you I, 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 by the way i have one other thing to say Arr, shiver me timbers and boost me bitch 
That's right. Boost us, bitch. Because, you know, with all the work we put in, there is one thing that we absolutely will never have. And that's a story in our health segment. Brought to you by Pfizer. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, so I, I, this is a hate cover. I'll tell you that the new data analysis supports hedonic overdrive model in high fat diet induced mice. Because I'm fat, fat, fat. Yeah. Now, high fat diets apparently cause obesity in male mice. Now, the underlying mechanism, however, remains controversial. After assessing three contrasting ideas, researchers have determined that the hedonic overdrive model provides the best fit, according to a new study. Now, the study titled the hedonic overdrive model best explains high fat diet induced obesity in C5 7BL slash six mice appears in the journal obesity. Now our work provides some direction as to why high fat, high carb macronutrient combinations stimulate overconsumption. The study is in mice, so we need to be cautious about extrapolating to humans. However, if the effect is repeated in humans, avoiding the macronutrient combos that stimulate us to overeat would seem like a good strategy to prevent obesity. No shit, Sherlock. This was, this was said by John R. Speakman, uh, director of the Shenzhen Key Laboratory of Metabolic Health, Center for Energy, Metabolism, and Reproduction, Shenzhen Institute of Advanced Technology, Chinese Academy of Sciences, Shenzhen, China. That sounds like a fucking mouthful. Um, it is a mouthful. Bullshit is what it is. Speakman is the, cur- the corresponding author of the study. Now, experts explain that when a fed a diet containing more than 40% fat by calories, the males of many strains of mice deposit large amounts of body fat. However, the effects are smaller in females. Now, the underlying mechanism uh, generating the obesity effect in males is not well understood because studies have not performed measurements frequently enough or used a sufficient range of different diets to test among alternative ideas. So basically what they're saying is all (coughs) bullshit because they didn't do enough testing. Yeah. So in this study, the researchers assessed the responses of 240 individually housed 12-week-old, um, I'm not going to read the name of the type of mice, uh, against three patterns predicted by hedonic overdrive, reverse causality, and passive overconsumption models. A baseline of seven days feeding all the mice a standard low-fat diet that contained 10% fat, 20% protein, and 70% carbohydrate by energy. It sounds like the, uh, um, the uh, yeah, it sounds like, it's, it's yeah, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Um, now, the mice were then exposed to 12 different diets that varied in their fat, protein, and carbohydrate contents for 30 days. Now, all diets analyzed had more than 40% fat by calories. And we all know the calories in, calories out myth is just absolutely ridiculous. That is. Now, on high-fat diets, the the weights of food intake declined, but despite the average reduction of 14.4 grams in food intake, the mice consumed on an average of 357 kilojoules more energy than at baseline. Now, the fact that they gained weight in this situation is a direct refutation of the mass balance model, maybe a model of obesity. Now, okay, now I've I, I've I've read enough of these studies and and I'm going so do you want to know what these fuckers fed this mice I'm gonna I actually I actually went and looked at the study that was linked in the in the article and and here's and here's what it said now the first six diets were fixed at sixty percent fat by energy protein content ranged from five to thirty percent and carbohydrate content varied reciprocally from ten to thirty five percent by energy now in the remaining six diets we fixed the level of protein at ten or twenty five percent by energy again three diets at each level and the fat content of the diets was varied now when the protein level was fixed at 10%, the fat contents were 50%, 70%, and 80%. Now, when the protein level was fixed at 25%, the fat contents were 41.7%, 58.3%, and 66.6%. Now, the carbohydrates included cornstarch and maltodextrin. Yes, aren't those the same things? Um, 
which are high glycemic index carbons for mice and fucking humans too, right? Yeah, you should not be consuming that. Casein was used as the protein source in all diets. Uh, do, do you know what that is, by the way? Um, isn't it like the, it's something to have to do with milk, isn't it? I don't honestly know. Okay. I was asking as a genuine curiosity because I'm not familiar with it. Okay, well, and I know that you can on the fly look it up. Yes. Yeah, so so, so I'll, I'll tell the rest that sucrose and cellulose were fixed at 5% levels by energy and standard vitamins and minerals were mixed. Also were added to the diet. Okay. And a mix of cocoa butter, menhaden oil, sunflower oil, which by the way, you should not be eating any of that. Palm oil and coconut oil, which are okay, was used. Those were all used as fat sources. And it was designed to generate a whole okay, lot okay. of fucking proportions. Yes, exactly. Okay, so by the way, casein is actually is, 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 is protein from milk. So Okay, so you were actually on uh, on the right path with that, that it's like milk fat like you would feed yeah, to okay, a cow. Yeah, okay, so let's okay, let's 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 double click on that for a second because Unless it's mother's milk from a rat, you shouldn't be, you know, this it's actually something much that, like in humans. Yeah, I mean, you know, we like eating cheese and stuff, but really we probably shouldn't have that much because it because it we, we're not supposed to have that, right? So um so they're okay, so they're feeding the they're feeding the rats. They're feeding them probably cow's milk of some sort, I'm guessing, because that's where most of it comes from. They're feeding them they're feeding, you know, all kinds of oils they probably wouldn't eat. And you're blaming it on the fat? If you're eating, if you're, if they were eating species appropriate shit, right? They wouldn't be getting fat. They probably wouldn't eat as much either. Now, of course, the proportion of saturated monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats are at 14.7 to 1 proportion of the N6 and N3 fatty assets, which aim to match the standard American diet. You heard that right, folks. Yes. The proportions of different fatty acids were constant across the different fat levels. So they were, they was, they were fake fats, you know, that they shouldn't be eating anyway. So in these diets, the sucrose, cellulose, and vitamin and mineral contents were the same as the diets of fixed 60% fat. Now, what you've just described here is something that my friend Ten Naiman uh, talks about. Um, and I think we need to play the clip about the obesogenic rat chow. Here's a company that specializes in obesogenic rat chow. This is what they do. They make an obesogenic rat chow that people pay money for this stuff. It's supposed to make you as fat as possible, as fast as possible. I'm talking visceral obesity, liver fat, insulin resistance, diabetes, the whole thing. This, this obesogenic rat chow is very low in protein. It's really high in carbs if you look at the grams. It's vaguely eerily similar to the standard American diets. Which is pretty sad, right? Yeah, which is yeah, which yeah. It's, of course, it's not a shock to us or, or a surprise to us because uh, we know not at all. No, exactly. So, um, so any, so yes, this is so basically they're 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 saying fat is the problem when they're not feeding the rats species appropriate shit, right? Of course, if you feed some, if you feed species inappropriate shit to a to a, to a, to something, yes, it's going to get fat. This is this is expected behavior. So. They're, 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 they're based, this, there's so much fucking bias in this story. Holy shit. Like, I read this, I saw this, and I'm like, I gotta fucking hate cover this. This is, this just pisses me off. Like, holy crap. Well, speaking of hate cover, we have a story here how a fasting-like diet reduced pre-diabetes markers and signs of aging by two and a half years. The trick to longevity is a term called hormesis, which is a little bit of stress on your body, biological stress, so running, a bit of hunger, cold heat. Yeah. This is a hate cover, by the way, despite the fact we don't disagree with all of the principles within. 
Yes, exactly. So, so a monthly cycle of a diet that mimics fasting can improve insulin resistance and other markers of prediabetes and also reduce fat in the liver, a new study shows. Now, researchers say this diet also reduced signs of immune system aging and biological age. Now, of course, the study wasn't done long enough to really do that. It's just, you know, it says that later. But now the fasting mimicking diet or other FMD involves five day cycles of a diet low in overall calories, protein and carbohydrates and high in unsaturated fats such as the kind found in olive oil, nuts and seeds. Now, we're not saying, okay, you know, we talk about the fact that we consume olive oil, but the olive oil we get isn't cut with seed oils. It's not the shit you buy in the grocery store. We order it straight from Italy at an absorbent amount of money for like a three liter tin. But this shit is so pure, y'all. You can drink it like a shot. Matter of fact, Vinny Tortorich does. And I have too, by the way. Yes. And then Phone Boy has as well. Now, we're also not shitting, no pun intended, on seeds and nuts. Certain seeds and nuts, in moderation, aren't bad. Nice little carb boost without eating the grains and sugars and shit that you should not be consuming. Okay, now this is where my this is where my my uh, my spidey senses went. Yeah, okay. Uh, so the diet was developed by study author Walter Longo, PhD. A professor at the USC Leonard Davis School of, G- of Gerontology in Los Angeles. Now, I, I know about this fucker because I, and I've, I've heard some of the some of the health people that I've been following uh, talk about it. And and and, it, and it, when he says that um, this is the first study to show that a food based intervention that does not require chronic dietary or other lifestyle changes can make people biologically younger, based on both changes in risk factors for aging and disease, and on a validated method developed by the Morgan E. Levine Group to assess a biological age. Longo said in a, in a, in a news release. Now, the new study was published February 20th in in Nature Communications. A previous research led by Longo has also found that the FMD can lower risk factors for cancer, diabetes, and cardiovascular diseases in people. Yeah, and monkeys might fly out of my butt. Yeah, but the the FMD is a primarily plant-based diet designed to produce fasting-like effects on blood levels of glucose, ketone bodies, and other molecules, while still providing calories and nutrients, making it potentially safer and easier to complete compared to conventional fasting. Now, um, day one of the FMD provides around 1,100 calories, with 11% coming from protein, 46% fat, and 43 carbohydrates. It almost sounds like the rat shit that they were feeding the, the, the rats. Uh, day two to five provides around 720 calories per day, with 9% 14. Four, 14? 9% 14? What? 9%, 9% 14. Pro- write it down. Yes, this. Okay. That's nine. beautiful. Yes. So what he was trying to say is 9% protein, 44% fat, and 47% carbohydrates. And now, on average, adult females need between 1,800 and 2,400 calories a day to maintain weight, while males need 2,400 to 3,000 calories. This varies based on the activity levels and some other factors. Now, in the study, researchers provided participants with all the food they needed with the food for each day individually boxed to avoid people eating meals and snacks on the wrong day. Yeah, like trained monkeys, and I don't even want to know what was in, because you know those boxes of food were based on the dietary guidelines, and we know how wonderful those are, said fucking nobody ever. Now, when, uh, Walter the Longo is the founder of Prolon, the company that provided food for the study. Now, the fasting mimicking diet is not the only fasting light option out there. Versions of intermittent fasting and time-restricted eating, which, I, which I've done and which is success, also provide some love of the benefits of extended fasting without requiring a complete change to someone's eating habits. And 
Also, we did an entire episode on fasting. Yes, we did. In fact, in fact, we, we one of the clips we the, the couple of clips we pulled for this are uh, actually were from that episode. Now, the um, now the uh, research on these types of eating patterns is ongoing, with some studies showing strong benefits and others showing fewer to, or none. Right? They also had several limitations. This particular study, including the small number of participants, with only eighty six people following the FMD in total between the two clinical trials. Now, another limitation is that people in the study gen- generally had more advantageous social, economic, behavior, and health characteristics. The researchers pointed out. So the results may not apply to other groups of people. Now, now the, you know, all, yeah, they might be able to tolerate the extra seed oils and shit like that or whatever than, than that shit. Now, longer term studies with larger number of people are needed, including studies that directly compare the FMD to other dietary interventions, such as other types of diets, other types of fasting or diets such as the Mediterranean diet. Oh. I hate the fact that they're comparing it to that. That's so dirty. You know, of course, all you really need to do is like eat real food like we do and you know, occasionally fast properly. I provided, I found this, uh, we found this clip of Dave Asprey um, defining what fasting is just so we're all on the same page. The definition of fasting is simply to go without. And you can fast from many things. You can fast from masturbation. You can fast from porn. You can fast from alcohol, right? You can fast from junk food. It's called eating healthier. You can fast from carbs. It's called the keto diet. You can fast from animal products, even though it's a bad idea, for long periods of time. It's called the vegan diet. And there's all sorts of things. Uh, So fasting literally means to go without for a set period of time. And all of those things can make you stronger. So, okay, I, I didn't, I didn't realize my clip hadn't ended yet. So, um, so my question, so is, is this really fasting? Is the question I have, right? If you're doing a fasting mimicking diet, I mean, I guess that's, I mean, it's, it is you a, know what? No, I, I'm going to weigh in on this, and I'm going to be very strong in my opinion on this. In so much as to truly fast, you cannot have any consumption above water. I'm not even. Uh, there's argument between. Uh, people who've been fasting for years on whether or not um, black, unsweetened coffee or tea can also be consumed and still considered a a genuine fast. So my my opinion on this is pseudo anything is bullshit. Okay, so pseudo sugar, pseudo fasting, it's all a, a big fat load of bullshit and. I'm no, I absolutely say no. I don't care if the diet mimics it or not. You're not genuinely fasting. Ultimately, you're trying to fuck with mother nature. You're trying to trick your body into thinking that you're fasting while you're still eating some shit that first of all, you're fucking eating. Second of all, what you're eating is absolutely inappropriate, more than likely, especially if participating in this particular study where the science is heavily skewed toward the money. Yes. Well, speaking of of the, of the money, uh, there's a lot of money in this drug. She, apparently, this lady took compounded Ozempic to lose 10 pounds and ended up in the ER with appendicitis. Oh! 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 Now, a year before her wedding, Amy Jensen, which of course is not her real name, was determined to lose 10 to 15 pounds to reach her target weight of 126 pounds and fit perfectly into her dress. For eight months, she tried the ketogenic diet, which had worked for her in the past. Now, around the same time, she had a visit with her naturopathic doctor. 
And based on her A1C blood glucose test results, which showed she was on the verge of prediabetes, the doctor recommended semaglutide to help her control blood sugar levels. I'm lowering my A1C. Now, when Jensen learned that weight loss was po- a possible side effect of semaglutide, she decided to take the medication for both reasons. Semaglutide, better known by the brands Ozempic and Wigovi, she got semaglutide plus B12 from a compounding pharmacy and started it at a low dose with some with a slow increase each month. She said, I got some side effects, two stomach issues over four months that came and went with severe with a severe stomach ache that lasted eight hours. I felt full all the time. I was constipated and I was taking magnesium at night to have bowel movements. You try not to crap your pants. So after three months on the medication, she lost 10 pounds and reached her goal weight. However, she kept taking it for another month until the week before her wedding for fear of regaining the weight. So hold on here. This woman never bothered to change what the fuck she was eating. Just decided she was three. This is what blows my fucking mind. Sorry, I'm very pissed about this. Three months in three months, folks. If all she lost was 10 pounds, come here, let me have a conversation with you. You know this no sugar, no grain thing we do? Yeah. I can lose 10 pounds in in like two weeks. Well, I think here's the thing, though. She's probably probably closer to her target weight than we are. Oh, undoubtedly, but at the same time. Yeah, the the closer you get to your target weight. Three months to lose 10 pounds if you're eating properly. 30 minutes a day exercise is not going to kill you. I just, I, I don't buy that she could not have done this much safer. And yes, it would have involved a little bit of effort. Oh my God. Maybe stop stress eating the ho-hos. But anyway, my, my rant is now over. So, no, 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 it's just been, it's just been put on hold. It'll, 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 come, it'll come later. Fair enough. So... The day after my wedding, I woke up at 3 a.m. with a really bad stomach ache, sick out of both ends, said Jansen. So her wedding was out of the country and she planned to fly back to the U.S. the next day. The pain got so severe and I had to go to the ER. They gave me a CT scan right away and told me my appendix was so swollen and impacted with fecal matter that it started an infection and I needed emergency surgery. Now, she underwent an appendectomy to remove her appendix and was able to fly home 72 hours later. Yeah. Now, now here's I, I need to, this is I have some experience with this because my son at a very early age had to have his appendix removed and he had problems pooping. So, uh I don't. Of course, they like the story says it's not clear exactly what caused the appendicitis, but I can I, I can tell you from my own experience that yeah, um, if you're having problems pooping, appendicitis is probably it could it could be something that happens. I mean, it's and as we know, Ozempic is absolutely famous for the side effect of gastroparesis, which basically means your intestines aren't processing shit. So if the shit is just backing up and backing up and backing up, yeah. There's going to be some side effect at some point. It's it's going to stop. Just it, it's just something bad going to happen. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, there's no other way to put it. If you keep compacting that fecal matter, which the longer that's in your body, there's a reason why. If you get stopped by a cop and you tell them that you have to take a shit and 
they still give you a ticket. Now, I'm not sure if it's actually a law. I'll have to look into that. But because that's literally a medical emergency, because you can get very ill from not defecating, that's why it's such a big deal. Yeah. I mean, something's got to give, arguably. If, if, you're not, if you're not pooping, if you're full of shit, then uh, th- th- something's going to give. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, um, so meanwhile, the fucking article goes down the hit piece route on compounded drugs. And I, and, and again, it's, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's necessarily fair, but okay. What they did, that's just my opinion, man. Now looking back at her choice to take semaglutide, Jensen said she doesn't regret taking the compounded version. However, she does regret taking it in any form. Now, in addition to the appendicitis, she also is concerned that her blood glucose levels are erratic now that she do- hasn't taken the medication for two months and wonders whether the medication affected her pancreas. Now, I knew instinctively I shouldn't be doing it, but I justified it because all these biohackers in the health and wellness space were touting peptides and semaglutide is a peptide, she said. Now, that is a bullshit. Don't want to take responsibility for what you did. Trying to put it off on, oh, well, all these biohackers, <laughs> And you listened to him, you stupid bitch. And you listened to him. Way to go. How'd that appendicitis work out for you, Cupcake? Yeah. Now, she does admit that she's responsible for herself at the end of the day. But it isn't for everyone. It's not a, without risk of adverse side effects. And, we, and, of course, we cover those every, you know, every, every week we find something just that just fucking crazy. At this point, it's... And honestly, okay, I don't, I don't care if your practitioner... Who's shouting for the, from the rooftops that you should take this medication? Do the research. If a person wanting to prescribe you a medication, you need to do the research on that medication before you ever take it. it remember, doctors are not God. Just, re- just, yeah, just remember, if you read these these things, and I actually have an experience from one of the first trips I took um, out of the country. I, I had gotten sick, and um, and I was in uh, and I was in the UK at the time. And I had to go to Germany. Well, yeah, try to explain to a German chemist that you need that you basically need cold medicine. Yeah, good luck with that, right? So anyway, but I but I read some of the stuff in the UK, and I'm looking at this. I'm going, why the fuck would I put this in my body with these risks? Like, you ever you know read that pamphlet that they come in and ask yourself, do you want to do you want risk anything that's listed in that fucking thing as a possible side effect this is why we say the cure is often worse than the cause yeah well in this case or the disease yeah in this case and i think this is i think we're gonna we're now gonna transition into the happiness segment the key to life is a penis in your asshole it is also in this case, uh, this is apparently um, uh, love is also one of those things that, that, is, that is, is key to life. And it, and it helped uh, this woman wake up from a coma. Or the love from a mother helped this woman wake up from a coma after five years. Love, true love. Now from Grand Rapids, Michigan comes a story too magical to believe of a mother's love creating a medical miracle and a woman who cared for a comatose daughter in silence for half a decade. Aw, cue the doves. Now Jennifer Flewellen was 35 when, according to a feature on Good Morning America, there you go. She was put into a medically induced coma after crashing her car into a pole. Flewellen had just dropped her three boys off at school, but began to feel lightheaded on the way home. Now placed on life support at a large hospital, nurses were certain she would never recover and thought there are no hard or fast rules for when a person wakes up from a coma. 
or I'm sorry, and though there are no hard and fast rules for when a person wakes up from a coma, by day two, physicians were encouraging Fluellen's mother, Peggy Means, to take her off life support. I remember one respiratory nurse, she told me, well, you know, she'll only get worse. And I told her, don't you ever say that to me again. And never say it around my daughter. Means told GMA. I'd say, it's very easy to be negative, but we have no room for negativity. Always look on the bright side of life. Now, as weeks turned into months, which turned into years, Means' love for her daughter kept her strong and faithful through the long hours of silence. <sighs> Means did as much as was possible, and then some transferring her to different care centers, battling with insurances to keep covering the treatment, arguing with hospital administrators, all the while working full-time as an industrial sewer and pampering the unconscious Jennifer with all kinds of TLC. Means would give her daughter spa days, even though Fluellen was unresponsive to all stimuli. She would wheel her around the hospital, talking to her as if she were awake. Recounting the progress of her three sons in school, visiting her nearly every day. This continued for five long years. Sorry. <laughs> through, through the pandemic and out the other side. Oh, the visual on that. Anyway, then one day the truly unthinkable happened. Five years after the fateful crash, Means was sitting with her daughter in a sunny spot outside the hospital telling jokes. Fluellen laughed. Means could hardly believe it. I started to wheel her up to the building, Means said, being scared at first. And then I thought, she's laughing. So I stopped and got my phone out. After all that time, what Means believed all along with all her heart was true. Her daughter was still in there. I would ask her questions about the boys and stuff, and she couldn't speak even a sound. But she could shake her head yes and no. I said, Jen, am I your dad? And she made a face like no. And then I asked about the boys. I'd mix up their names, like one middle name to another. Fluellen was answering the questions correctly, so means immediately organized speech therapy. At, and that was the beginning of the end. Fluellen was indeed still there. And as the weeks went by, more and more of her was reemerging, like a butterfly breaking loose of its cocoon. GMA says that just 2 to 3% of people left in a vegetative state for that long will ever wake up. But Means is ensuring her daughter will be able to do more than just that. She organized occupational speech, and physical therapy. She has organized surgeries to loosen the rigor mortis-like tension that had set into her joints so that she can regain movement. Now, I, oh, wait a minute. You know, there's a clip I should have had here when we looked at this, and I think we, we were we were kind of running out of time when we were... Yeah, we were, we were hurrying. Hey, bring out your dad. Oh, that's so cruel. Uh, yeah, this, this is... Let me see, I, I, I might have it, because the problem is, is it's a is it, it's one of those... Uh, it's one of those clips that... Uh, um, 
Well, let's see. That yeah, I, I don't think I ha- no. I, it, it's irrelevant. Yeah. So, anyway, but it, but it's, it's a Monty Python thing. So it, it is. So, so anyway, go on. So at Mary Free Bed Rehab Center in Grand Missis in Grand Rapids, Michigan, one doctor said that the case study is so rare that means is basically driving scientific discovery. No one can say for certain how much faculty Flewellen will recover because the instance is just too rare. But because the answer isn't known, Means is driving forward with all the love and determination that kept her going through the unresponsive years. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, I like stories like this because, you know, you don't, you don't sometimes it takes, you know, this, this is why you don't give on, give up on people sometimes, right? Especially if you think that they're still in there, right? And I think there's, you know, I think, we, I think we've covered stories uh, of people being declared dead prematurely, right? And uh like the guy brought back to life by the bumps in India on the roads, which, yeah, I, I've watched, um, like, Deadliest Trucker or whatever, where they were over in India. And, yeah, no, I, I would not ever want to drive on those roads by any means. Yes. Um, all right. So I think we're moving, I think we're moving on to the other, to the next story here, which we is, are. Yes. Is, uh, um, and this is, we've have a, we have a 12 year old, uh, leap year because, because we just had leap year. Um, the, the, the we leap, did. Yeah, we did. Uh, apparently so, some quadruplets celebrate their third birthday and brothers are all unique, but three are triplets. Yeah, so now Britain's only leap year quadruplets are uh, celebrating their third birthday this week. In other words, 12 years after birth. Uh, uh, now, the whole thing about, uh, actually, it's not, leap year is generally every four years, but there are exceptions to that. Yes, I had to write computer code at some time to do that. That's one of the examples that they that they force you to do, in the, at least back at least back in the 90s, which kind of makes sense to a degree as an example of something to write about. Now, they celebrate their birthdays on March 1st each year, but every four years they get to mark the real day, being that it disappears from the calendar for three. Now, their sire, oh my God, what the fuck are they? Oh my God! This just makes me so nuts. Yeah, this they is, use that term. Yes, uh, maybe it's a UKism. I don't know, but they're, but, but Mark Robbins or Martin Robbins has a real handful this time around. As each child wants to do something different to celebrate the real day. Now, one wants to go bowling. The other wants to go go karting. The other wants to do archery. So we've got to come to a happy decision. He said. Now Martin's been speaking to the media about their very unusual litter. How puppy, I'm so glad to find you. Yeah, yeah a uh, litter. You heard it right. What are they, puppies? Yes. And if readers were ever curious about what it's like having quadruplets, the interview is a great opportunity to hear firsthand. Now, Mother Emma Robbins gave birth to the boys via emergency C-section, with Reuben being delivered first, followed by the second, Zachary. Now, Zachary's identical twin, Joshua, was the heaviest, and Samuel, who doesn't look the same as the other three, was delivered last, with dark hair no less. Uh, they, they often shadow him around because they look up to him, Martin said. Now, three of the quadruplets are genetically identical, Reuben, Zachary, and Joshua. And while Samuel is not identical to his brothers, he looks like his older uh, brother Luke and his mom. Three of these things belong together. Three of these things are kind of the same. But one of these things just doesn't belong here. Okay, does Jim Henson not sound like he's fucking high or drunk when he did when this this is like loaded? 19, yeah, he is loaded AF. I because I were because we're looking for this because this is one of those things I remember and I just and, I, and that was the one that was the first one that came up in the in the search right and I went 
holy shit, he sounds like he's fucking drunk. You know, drunk not uh, play the drunk not drunk game with that shit. Uh, so now Sam is the like the ringleader who socially and mentally seems to be the boss of the four, said their father. The other three are all one and the same, just like me. They're fair haired and Sam has dark hair. Now, all the boys are quite different in themselves as they've gotten older. They become more engaged in other interests. Now, they're all individual in their own right. Sometimes people want to put them in a basket, and I've never really understood that. Now, Josh is very sporty and loves basketball and, and football. Now, given this is a UK, he probably means uh, soccer. Uh, Zach and Ruben are very musical. They like to sing and dance and play keyboard. Now, Ruben and Zach are very artsy and creative. Now, Sam is the technical one. He has a curious mind and is always asking questions, Mr. Robbins elaborates, uh, adding that their new school in Bristol, the four enjoy the collective nickname copy-paste. What the That's actual... Great. Oh, fuck. I didn't even see that. Holy that shit. That is so funny. Copy-paste! <laughs> I so bought that shit. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, there you go. Um, and uh, so uh, it's the most important time for them, and it's important for their social development so they can come into our own individuality, he added, and it helps them make new and solid friends and have something to talk about when they come home. Yes, we must copy. Okay, so. Yeah. I think that's a really sweet story. It is a really sweet story. Now, what's, what is really sweet is, uh, is so unfortunately, I did check with Rev, and he, he does not have a new episode for us this week. However, he did produce some episodes we haven't aired yet, although you might have even heard them on the stream because uh, they've got added in. So we're going to play this one that we've got we for, from, from the Rev. Hey ho, pedalheads, and welcome to Sir Reverend Cybertrucker's Cavalcade of Stupidity! Recently, while having a conversation with an old friend, the subject of whether or not Ray Stevens was still active came up. And I'm happy to say that since 2015, Ray has been working his own variety show called Ray Stevens Cabaret Nashville, which is being aired on PBS. His last radio album, also released in 2015, shows that Ray still has what it takes to be a recording artist. From the 2015 album Here We Go Again, this is Ray Stevens. Taylor Swift is stalking me. Oh, I bet she's in the yard again. I'll have to call the cops. She follows me everywhere I go. I can't make her stop. I swear sometimes she's been inside my house when I've been gone. She's about to drive me crazy. Hey, let me tell you what's going on. Taylor Swift is stalking me. She's a little late. She's a husband. She's a train. She's stalking me. She makes a ride that looks like a girl's scout. Yes, she's a man. She's probably in the backyard now, up in that tall pine tree. With a pair of night vision goggles, focus right on me. I swear she's everywhere I go. You know, it's plain to see. I bet she's in the camera, shooting pictures in 3D. Taylor Swift is stalking me. After all, you're just 22. She said, you belong to me, and I'm only me when I'm with you. I'm writing songs about you, she said, and she even wrote our song. Then she turned me and said, no one's as cold as you, and I told her I was moving on. And now Taylor Swift is stalking me. She's a little she's a husband, she's a tramp. 
she's stalking me. It's a ride that looks like a girl scout. Yeah, she's a man. She's probably in the backyard now, up in that tall pine. All right. Well, that, okay. So thank you, uh, thank you, Sir Rev Cybertrucker, for uh, for your I love con- that for, one. for your continued service. Uh, so I have I have at least one more in the can that I don't think I've played during the show. We will play the full song uh, by Ray Stevens, and and, and uh, you notice he mentioned that he's in Nashville, so he's actually. I'm familiar with this establishment, actually. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he's a. Uh, like I said, I'm. I'm glad he is still alive and kicking. He's. A, he's. He plays. He does some good shit. You know. Anyway. That. Yeah. That. That's a good one for sure. I'm. I was really happy to hear that one. Okay. Meanwhile, it is time for the tales from Rideshare. Oh, we got a few good ones for you this week. We're gonna start, and and I thought about getting a photo of the guy but i thought better of it there was literally a guy with a sign and a bucket around his neck and this truly qualifies as you cannot make this shit up because truth is stranger than fiction the man literally had a sign around his neck with a five gallon bucket that said we'll kill your ex and feed them to the pigs for five dollars i busted out laughing of course i had a moment where i thought about I'd give him five bucks for creativity, and if he was serious, we would talk. <laughs> but on a on a more honest note, I would, if I saw the guy again, I probably would give him five bucks just because that's pretty fucking creative. And as bizarre as it is, it's also, you know, I, I think it's actually a level up from the not going to lie, need money for weed or not going to lie, need money for beer signs that I've seen in, in the city. So... You know, kudos to that dude for creativity at the very least. A, a little bizarre, a little well, frightening. I mean, because, and, and I think, I mean, it's, it, it broaches a potentially serious topic because people, because there are so many things out there vying for your attention, people have to do shit like that in order to get, in order to sort of rise above. And No, that's true. They, they do. And I mean, I'm glad the cops aren't rolling him for it because I'm sure the guy's not fucking serious. But I mean, for comedy value, you know. Two thumbs up. Yeah, exactly. So uh, now, meanwhile, you, 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 uh, you, when we were doing rideshare radio last night, you had an interesting, uh, you had another interesting rider while I was uh, being the DJ. We did. Uh, I, I say we because you know you were doing rideshare radio. It was actually the beginning of rideshare radio that this ride had occurred. But I had a gentleman who was not only an alum of University of Tennessee, so, you know, V4L, but also... Yeah, I'm trying to. There's, I know there's a clip here that I need to to play. Yes, you know, this is... uh, Yes, there is, and it's my fault. All right, anyway. We, That's right. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. we have to play a little Rocky Top. Uh, every, every once in a while, just got to remind you, you know, who, who the best out there is. So, yeah, he, he was uh, an alum of uh, the Vols and also a former DJ, which was very interesting because we got into a conversation about music and the fact that what is being labeled music nowadays, all that auto-tune shit that Sir Bemrose rages against. Yeah, that's not music. Uh, sorry. Um, mu- music is when you actually had to know how to play an instrument and have talent and a voice worthy of putting onto a recording device. Now, all you have to do is push a button and DJing is no different. Back then, as he proved, you have to be able to count the beats and actually read music in order to be an effective DJ. Now, all you have to do is wait for the flashing 
light and push the button. So he was talking about his daughter uh, DJing and she was fascinated because he said, you know, cover up all of your stuff. And he was just listening and counting the beat and told her, okay, hit the button. And apparently is it at the same time that the button had, you know, lit up for her. And she's like, how did you do that? And he literally was like, because, you know, back in the day before all this tech shit, you actually had to count the beat. And he was talking about, you know, running the old turntables. And it was a fantastic conversation. And he was a nice tipper as well. So all in all, a really super great ride. However, I think I, I think this uh, this goes into a conversation you were having last night. Because when, when we were talking about this, uh, I think we were talking about this after you came home. Uh, that there's something that, that there is an art and science to a DJ. Now, I and I and I joke that uh, I you know I, I always wanted to be a disc jockey, and I, I and I guess I finally got you know that I don't know if I could tell if I could tell twelve year old me that that fifty year old me would be would be streaming music on, on on the radio and you know playing whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, that that I would be you know I'd, I'd be fucking jitty about that. I'm like, where do I sign up for that shit and uh but what i realized is okay because you know like like you said the other the, the part of the you know the, there you know there is a automated playlist right i mean in fact i just got a i just got a, a playlist uh, prompt in my apple music telling me that i have this uh, heavy rotation mix now right and which and i actually looked at it and yeah that some of those songs are in there and some of the songs i'm kind of questioning but okay but you know what what you know the the D, you know a dj does a couple things he's trying he you know he may be taking requests and kind of thing but he's trying to weave a sound or a story and being able to communicate and also relate to all all the different songs. A good, I think a good DJ will tell you something about the song that you listen to, so that you can relate to it better, and it may, and it makes more sense. You can kind of say, "Oh yeah, I remember what I was doing when 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 I first heard that song," you know, kind of stuff like that. So, it provides its own value to connect to the music in a way that just playing the music on a playlist doesn't really give you. You know, it, it lacks the emotion, arguably. Yeah. So, yeah, it does. Now, um, that, and I think it's, and I think it's important. So, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, when I do this, I mean, yes, I, I, I try to pick songs. That, you know, I know we, we play a lot of requests and stuff, and so I, I've gotten a lot exposed to a lot of great things. But when I'm by myself, I, you know, I try to, I try to pick songs that have some meaning, at least to me, right? And, and that I'm willing to talk about even at times, because, yeah, I think it's an, I think it's an important thing. It's this is, you know, we take our music very seriously at the, the Lotus Effect. We are, you know, I mean, we play a lot of music clips in the show now. And we, we're not necessarily, um, you know, we're not necessarily doing this, uh, you know, that for, for money or anything. We're having a, just having a great goddamn time, which, uh, you know, this is, uh, so yeah, I, I like that. I'm kind of like that I'm doing this and yeah, the, 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 the like, the, I don't think there are any real DJs anymore. I think they're all just fucking button pushers. If I'm, if That's we're on it. more or less all they are. Yeah. Yeah. Now. We don't normally cover a story during the Tales from Rideshare. However, we came across this story that was almost too delicious to believe. Truly. Yeah, uh, yeah. the Uber driver allegedly doubled as a shroom and LSD de dealer. They see me rolling, they hating, patrolling and trying to catch me riding so an Uber driver in Florida is facing felony drug charges after he allegedly tried to sell psilocybin mushrooms and LSD to his passengers. A series of transactions climbed up to 200 hits of LSD on gel tabs and a quarter pound of shrooms in one transaction. Now, if you're going to offer shrooms and LSD to your Uber passengers, you better make sure your passengers aren't narcs. This Uber driver learned that the hard way. Some of his, quote, passengers ended up being narc investigators visiting Miramar Beach, Florida, for the Florida Narc Officers Association Annual Conference last August in 2023, according to authorities. 
How is that for bad luck? According to the Walton County Sheriff's Office, the investigators who rode the Uber are from the Citrus County Sheriff's Office. Now, John Alcott, 52 of Crestview, Florida, arrived to pick up his riders, and when the CCSO investigators entered the vehicle, they said it reeked of pot. Alcott whipped out his open glove box to show him all the shrooms he had in his inventory. Now, Uber drivers are not employees of Uber. They're independent contractors as Uber's key to success. Yeah, they fuck the drivers and rape them. Anyway, so the off-duty investigators decided to play along, posing as psychedelic customers. Now, the WCSO report that Alcott sold them 134 grams of psilocybin shrooms, 10 psilocybin microdose capsules, and 12 doses of LSD on blue gel tabs for $1,000. Now, during the purchase, he told detectives he'd be willing to run a mail order supply as well now wcso posted alcott's mugshot and several photos of the lsd and psilocybin mushrooms we are going to try to find those to put them in the show notes they've been processing the investigation ever since and up the ante with larger quantities to pin down the uber driver for bigger charges the sting operation eventually invoked the narcotics invest or involved the narcotics investigators, the Crestview PD, and Ocala County Sheriff officers who set up surveillance at his residence in Crestview, Florida. On the 21st of February, the WCSO narcotics investigators set the undercover detective, who was a passenger-turned-drug buyer, to reach out to Alcott to tell him they were in the area and wanted to buy over a quarter pound of shrooms and 200 doses of blue gel tab LSD hits in exchange for five grand. While these types of cases aren't the primary focus on our vice narcotics investigations, this one kind of came to us, said Sheriff Michael Atkinson. He obviously makes it a habit to sell while driving an Uber, and that's pretty alarming considering how teenagers and young adults frequently use driving services in the area. The investigators are taking it seriously, and Al's caught faces numerous felony charges. He was arrested and booked into the Walton County Jail on two counts of selling a hallucinogen, trafficking in LSD, possession of a hallucinogen with intent to distribute, possession of drug paraphernalia, and two counts of using a two-way communication device in the commission of a felony. He was issued a $15,000 bond, posted it, and walked free the following day. Okay. You know that motherfucker yeah, is I, I out need, of there. Okay, I need to, so this, the song, I needed to clip this song. Uh, for this story, and I didn't. I failed. You're strutting casually down the street when a man comes up to you looking beat with telltale traces of hippie on his chin. You say howdy, and he says, Hi, got anything that'll make me fly? And if you do, I surely wish you'd let me in on what you're dealing, brother. In your mind, you start to ponder what to turn this fellow on to, and then you get a look into his eyes. You find his beard is only makeup, and his line is purely fake up. Then and only then you realize that he's your friend, the neighborhood narco agent, friend, the neighborhood narco man, courtesy of your local FBI. Yes. Oh, I, that's money. Yes. I, that, that, that <laughs> Thank is, you for that absolute gem. That that is a, that is a cavalcade of stupidity material. I think I've actually, which I, I may have even used it as that. That is fucking great. I had to give you claps and bells for that. That was so funny. Yeah. You know, I, I think it, however, is is time to get on with this shit show. Well, I'm a bum in the sun and I'm having fun and I know you know I got no special plans. 
Well, honey, what are you cooking for dinner tonight? <laughs> the fact I was hot mic'd during that <laughs> and almost got caught singing along. Uh, nothing big, special, or anything. Just having a simple salad topped with grilled ribeye. So there will be a poop loop during Studio 33 because I... I like when you grill things, and, and I know you like uh, involving yourself in dinner. It gives me squee. So that is what we were having. Essentially, we were having steak salad with some hard-boiled eggs and some bacon bits and anything else naughty that I can find to add to the greenery to make it a yummalicious din 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 Yes, okay. So, uh, meanwhile, um, we, we're, in, we're into the, uh, to the, 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 the shit that, the funny shit that happened to us this week. So, oh, let me tell you, it, it was extensive. Yes. So, um, okay. So, I had come up with the provisional show title, and I don't even remember. I think we were talking about something. We were talking about something that was dumb, and you were complaining about it. I said, well, that's a different brand of dumb. But it's still dumb, right? Right. Uh, and now, where, where this got funny was was not the show title itself. I mean, okay, it's it's you know it's one of the witty things that we come out of our mouth. But uh, now, normally, what I do when or when, when one of us um, when one of us comes up with it. In fact, we did. What did we come up with during the show before? Right before the show, and I said, write it down because that's usually how we that's usually how we tell the other person. Yeah, you got something that was funny there, um, and you're going to go. This actually requires me. To do some research work and yeah. look at the damn uh, sperm burp. Yeah, sperm burp. There you go. So I was I was bitching about something that came out of Mass General, which is something I believe we cover upcoming uh, in the latter part of the show. And I was bitching about the fact and made the you know choking on a cock um, animation with my hands, and I'm like, all that comes out of there. What you know, with what they're reporting, is just a bunch of sperm burps. Yeah, um, I, I just I need to make sure I had a photo for the for the next thing because I think it's a yeah, that's, that's a good a, idea. Yeah, so um, all right, so the ne- the next th- the next thing on the list is actually um, we have we, it's titled "Spark the Revolution," and and I think that this is um, th- we need to tell the the backstory on it though. Yeah, yeah I'll I let had you do it. the um, I had the idea to go to the candy store, and of course, there's glassware at the candy store. So we picked up some candy and we saw this great piece that Phone Boy said, you know, if I hadn't already purchased uh, Freedom, that would have been a perfect Freedom. And I was like, you know what? Just the, the colors on this. And, and Phone Boy posted the uh, picture of this beautiful new piece that now lives in our life that's named Revolution. Ergo sparking the revolution. It is just the colors just spoke to me and I was like, we need to own that. That needs to be in our life. So I bought it for us to enjoy. And I assure you, it, it is it is wonderful. And it also sparked the next thing, which is titled Starting the Revolution, because in order to have a proper picture of revolution, you have to have its basis, which, of course, is the White Album by the Beatles. And we'll be playing the song Revolution in Studio 33. Although I'll probably play the ver- Actually, we play. I actually, I, I think I believe. Did I? No, did I start? I don't know. I've got it in the playlist, I think. But, it is in the playlist, I believe. Yeah. So anyway, but I'll, I like the I like the version on the Blue album a little bit better. Just, But that's just that's just me. Um, However you do it, as long as we play the song, I'm not particular. Yeah. So um, now... However, I think, and so the next thing was, uh, well, I don't know. I think you tell the story because I'm not sure. How I will much- be more than glad to tell this story despite its amount of embarrassment. So we labeled it pillow talk over coffee, sexual coffee abuse. Let me tell you about this. Phone boy and I decided we were going to have some adult uh, body time 
if you will. And I moved a pillow and heard thump. And of course, I jerked the pillow back quickly. And I'm like, what was that? And farm boy leaned over to his side of the bed and went, my coffee cup. Now, he has a 16-ounce giant coffee cup his daughter made him. And I'm like, please tell me that was empty. He's like, nope, damn near full. You never saw two naked fat fucks move so fast in all your life. We're grabbing towels. It got the bed skirt. It got the carpet and then some. We've had two, we have two towels full of coffee that soaked up out of that carpet and we're still going to have to carpet clean it. It hit the sheet that is up to block the sun because when they put in the vertical blinds in our bedroom and basically in this whole place, they just didn't bother to wrap them around or make it where the sun doesn't hit you right in the fucking eyes if you're on the side of the room. So needless to say, that was definitely coffee abuse. And due to the nature in which it occurred, it became sexual coffee abuse. So there you go. Ta-da! Your girl is extremely clumsy and damn near knocked his coffee over again, although there wasn't anything, you know, X-rated going on. It was simply my hand. As I was sitting on the stairs waiting for the eggs to finish boiling, uh, his coffee cup was sitting next to me and I kind of tipped it against the wall where it wasn't as, you know, as big of a deal, but it was still one of those things. I was like, here we go again. I'm like, you need to keep your coffee cups away from me because I am apparently completely enable. I'm I'm not, it's not possible for me not to knock your damn coffee over in some way, shape or form. And yeah, I just said coffee. Fuck you. Yes. But that's one of the reasons we love you is because you, because you, because you say coffee. Yes, it, it, it is not something I do intentionally. I assure you. I, I know. You know, you, you, you can take the girl out of New England, but you can't take the New England out of the girl, as I say. Um, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Now, speaking of things, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Um, we you were, know this one was yours. Yeah, this one was mine. So, um, we we just woken up and. Um, and as we do, and oftentimes when that happens, um, the, ex, the, the certain things are expelled from the body, including, uh, including gas. Um, and then um, I, had, I had forgotten that I had done this. We started snuggling. You're, and you, for some reason, you had, you had, had, had occasion. How to the hell do you forget that you farted? Well, it was a while. It was, I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly when it occurred, but it was. But apparently. Y'all, this motherfucker was a roasted creeper. And if you don't know the different categories of farts, creepers are the ones that you let, and five minutes later it finally wafts, and somebody goes, what the fuck died? Now, of course, a roaster also elicits that response because it is so epically bad, like it's been in your gut roasting, just marinating, churning, and bubbling for a while, and you finally, or in Phone Boy's case, you don't make a fucking sound. Till I move the blanket and half my face slides off. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, I, I, yeah. So meanwhile, I think we need to pl- I think we need to play a little bit of this next uh, thing to because uh, why not? Because okay. we're going to tell you a story. Come, my love, I'll tell you a tale. Boy and girl and their love story and how he loved her oh so much. All right, there we go. I, I had yes, I had to I had to play the song because uh cases uh so you know what we're talking about here. Um so this is this is uh, the universe speaking to us, and it's and, and I think we have to tell the story of how we've, you know, there, there's there's um, we play this song often on Studio Thirty Three. However, yeah. on the stream, 
which is where this actually happened, it's only the instrumental of that song. Yeah. I think, yeah, it, 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 that is true. But so it's interesting how we sort of we this, we've sort of um, came to the fact that, um, yeah, that, that, that this song we we just we, we've, you know, both concluded that this song has to be our wedding song when we actually uh, when we actually do finally tie the knot for real and, and all that. So um, here's now here's the thing. Now, um, I um now I think we were talking and very early on we were talking about um the 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 the, the movie The Princess Bride. In fact, I remember um this was pre-insurrection. I believe we had uh, sat and I, I sat and played The Princess Bride or we watched The Princess Bride, I can't remember which, but I ended up taking clips yeah, I, from Well, okay, I know when I went to the Airbnb after I walked away and I think it was matter of fact right after I did and before I was actively living in my truck um i actually watched the princess bride um there's actually an episode i did at that airbnb that night so i could go back and look at it but irrelevant to the fact that movie's always been really special for us and i never put the fact and and i know the exact scene where they play that instrumental but i never put two and two together about that being the love theme for the movie so when this uh, excerpt that phone boy just played was played for me by him. Um, it really, it, it touched me in a very special place, but the, the whole reason why we're telling this story is because I was on the phone with Dame Jennifer, which is poem 435. And we were, t- I was telling her about how amazing phone boy is and how, you know, if I call him and say, hey, I'm doing this or I'm doing that, there's never any kind of hard time. There's never any guilt. There's just, you know, okay, do what you have to do. I love you. Mwah, mwah, mwah. And I had had the stream because, as you all know, when I do ride, um, when I do ride share, I have the stream on for my customers to listen to because the music is good. And also it does occasionally elicit a conversation if one of the bumpers plays that advertises the show that you know we've been fortunate enough to get from Sir Bemrose so thank you for that and also uh, Rev Cyber Trucker has one that plays there's also various other clips of, of our wonderful pedal heads that we've accumulated but long story short I had the stream on rather low and I could catch an occasional note or two from the music that was playing, but because I was on the phone, I wasn't paying a lot of attention to it. And the universe, for whatever reason, just found it the appropriate time to bump up my the volume on my stream, for whatever reason, a couple of dog biscuits, and I heard this song playing. And it stopped me because it was a clear sign from the universe that, yeah, you really are super lucky. He really is super as far as people go. You know, you, this, this is my gift. Always remember what a gift he is. And I do every day. Now, the interesting thing about this is because I'm familiar, now, as a, as a fan of <clears throat> Dire Straits and also Mark Knopfler, um, I'm familiar with a lot of his works. And, and so I had the, the theme to Storybook Love, the one that plays on the stream. I had that. Uh, I've known that for a long time. Now, when we, um, I don't remember what actually caused us to look up this song, but we looked it up and we played it. And this is, and and I will this is say I did not realize this version existed right until I'd happened to pull it up one day. And I said, okay, you know, played it. Went, yeah, that's a real special song. So I didn't even know this version of the song existed, and 
So yeah, when it, you know, the, it, like I said, it just it has a lot of meaning that yes, this this song, the universe brought me to the brought me to a phoenix and be this song. So you know, it seems to make sense that that would be the. And since we you know we we talk we you know we we talk about uh, ourselves in in terms of um, Wesley and Buttercup, right? You know, in terms of that. Uh, well, there is also the whole lineage of me actually being a bona fide motherfucking princess to well, the, contend with as well. There is that, yeah. So, um, needless to say, that song is a that particular version of that song is very meaningful to the both of us. And so, uh, we, you know, because it came up this week, uh, we figured we'd tell the story of it because why not? Now, <clears throat> in case anyone had never heard it, yeah, exactly. So, um, meanwhile, um, so actually, we have Wookie in the studio. She, she actually, yeah, she's actually in the studio. I, I can see that now. Um, I had, and and she, she had uh, come to bring some, uh, to bring something. We had uh, to bring some stuff to us. Um, we, um, you know, she, she, she brought a gift for that she had purchased. I guess for me, I don't know when she purchased it, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's a, it is an, an amazing set. Um, of custom made, um, you know, I don't know, paraphernalia, let's say that, that or, you know, for, for consuming, uh, things like, uh, the holy herb and, you know, or, or even just cigarettes or whatever. Um, yeah, that this kind of, that it, it's a, it's, it's a, yeah, I mean, we, I was, it was funny. We were talking about ashtrays and which, which we'll get into the, that in the next story, but, uh, but yes, included an ashtray. So I now have a Fort San Francisco 49ers ashtray in my, um, in my possession here, I mean, this is a this is quite a nice thing. But uh, um, so, thank you, Wookie, for 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 uh, communicating some value or, or, or sharing some value with us uh, or with me. I would definitely appreciate it. Now, um, it's really nice. Yes. So I put a, I posted a, I posted a picture of it in the show uh, in the in the in the chat, and I'll have it in the show notes now. Um, and finally, which this. This image I have to upload. So we were looking at ashtrays on Amazon last night because one of the, one of our ashtray, one of the cheap ashtrays I bought in uh, in um, at Walmart is uh, broken, and we figured we need to replace it. And we started looking around, and and lo and behold, uh, I was scrolling an ashtray. And, I, and this one I'm going to have to upload and put in the show notes. But um, but the idea here, so there, in, so I have a screenshot here from my phone, and and and, and when you when you and that was the term I typed into Amazon was ashtray. So what comes up when I type ashtray? If you scroll long enough, weird shit starts coming up, including the following. A-plus quality cotton postpartum underwear, high-waisted panties for women. Which is something he has not ever, to the best of my knowledge, searched for on Amazon. No, I have not, I assure you. So... I mean, it would suggest some stuff that would was occasionally related, but this is just completely out of left field. The actual fuck, people. So. You can't make this shit up. That's it, it's another one of those you just can't make that shit up. And I'm pretty sure that you posted the picture in no, the I'm chat a, so people can you you should post it. Well, I'm going it's to, entertaining. I, well, I'm going to, but I have to actually I actually have to um, in order to do that I have to do I have to do a little bit of work. So um, I think what we, I think I'll do that while you do. Um, play, you know what? Let's, I let's, just let's, realized I forgot to do something. Oh, what's that? What two by Carl's Jr. Fuck you! I'm eating. Completely glazed over the fact that, you know, fuck you, I'm eating this tonight. Yes, um, so I will post this picture, but can you, let's go into the next segment. I think this well, is Well, that would be our Duncan Hines segment, yes. of course. Yeah, world needs a wake-up call. We're going to phone it in. 
That's right. We're hoping that you're going to phone it into 253-237-3321 and tell us about that boss. I'm going to go play the, before I do what you were trying to point me to do, I'm going to play this voicemail first. So we As don't you get, should. Yeah. But I will open the phone lines up. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the, the Duncan Hines uh, question for this week is, yeah, tell us about that boss. And we've got, we've got some stories of our own here. So um, meanwhile, this, uh, this caller always, 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 always has a story. Oh boy. You guys are actually live. Um, yeah. I'm not calling in last minute, but, you know, so kind of last minute-ish. Uh, but, yeah, that boss I ha- Oh, by the way, hello, Phoenix. Hello, fun boy. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. That boss. Uh, I've thought about it, actually. From I've never had, like, a boss that's been, like, oh, my gosh, like, just horrible. I mean, I just want to, yeah, I think, like, most people probably had, like, People like, uh, yeah, I just don't get along with them, or can't ever had, like I said, I've never had one that's like been like truly like, oh, they're horrible, but definitely ones where you're like, yeah, would not want to work for them again, or if you could choose to not be working there kind of thing, which is for me, it's usually been the case, or like just in general, like I'd rather not be here to begin with, but I am, um, yeah, but, uh, I think I've like noticed like though the biggest, especially after like listen to so many podcasts and um, reading books and stuff like that on business and, and leadership and stuff. And that, I think that's a big thing is too many people are their bosses and they're not a leader and there's just a big difference. Um, kind of like just the difference between boss and manager and leader. I think it is. I'd have to go revisit some of those stuff, but uh, yeah, it's interesting to you though. You can listen to the entree leadership podcast. It's kind of underneath the Dave Ramsey umbrella, but I've listened to every one of those for the last couple since it was started. But anywho, there's a lot of stuff out there. But yeah, I think that's what it comes down to is just like how they see their role and, you know, and then see the people that are with them, you know, and are they trying to help improve them? And at the same time, as far as proving, uh, improving productivity or what? So. So I guess on a positive note, uh, something that did come to mind, or even more positive, if you will, was uh, at one of my last jobs, uh, something that he had been taught, and then I just really just took it to heart is um, set the next guy for set the next guy up for success, and sometimes that guy is you, and so it's just kind of just on everything, you know, and that just kind of can apply to everything, you know. Hey, if the toilet paper at your house is getting low, you know, why don't you just make it easier for yourself, you know, even if it's the next person is you, just refill, you know, restock kind of thing, you know, set, set stuff up. Uh, it was doing audio visual stuff. So, you know, like if it's a storage room or setting up the room or the person who has to happen to tear down or set up what you doing the opposite of, so, you know, just set that person up for success. So anyway, all right, I hope you guys did interest and go ahead and give a hearty caw-caw. Uh, that was a there we go. All right, let's do a better do a better job than that. Thank you, Sir Christopher Battles. That I love your positivity, Mr. Christopher Battles. You always are. Now, uh, so meanwhile, I guess uh, we, we actually. So I'm going to put. So I'm going to put Wookie on the spot here. Yes, we want to hear from Wookie about no. that boss. Tell us the story of that boss that just really ooh yeah. gotcha. Okay, well I'm going to put that. Yeah, but I mean we're going to put Wookie on the spot here. But I'm going to I'm going to open I'm going to go ahead and open the phone line. So that means they're we're now live, and uh, if you if you call in, we will answer. Um, so, um, but okay, so one of so so we're going to have Wookie come over here, uh, and Wookie's Wookie's going to tell you about uh, her, uh, her that boss of hers. 
Hi, y'all. Uh, the boss of mine, uh, she was supposed to have been her friend, and she took over as a team lead in uh, the job I work at. And she, bull- she she kept on bullying me and bullying me, made me want to leave work every day crying, and I'm not like that type of person. In instances, it's like somebody got put a mark on one of the parts. She let that go, but me, she would always be like, yeah, pay more attention. You, she just bullied me all the time. Well, thank, well, thank you, Wookie. That was a yeah. We, I've, uh, I actually had. Um, oh my, we we have a oh we we have a, we have another phone call which we'll which we'll get to in just a moment here. Um, this is I think that I think Mama had left this voicemail a little earlier because uh, before I had opened the phone line. So, um, we we um, but yeah we had uh, yeah so I've I've had um, I've had a few bosses over the over my career. Um, I remember the guy at Netscape. I, in fact, I, and this is a, this guy was a this guy was a jackass. Um, and I'd asked him a question. I said, "Well, when you have two priority one cases coming in, how do you prioritize?" And couldn't answer the question. Now, um, he did say he did. The only thing he ever said that I actually took took note of is that yes, the support organization is a, you know it's a lightning rod for every anything that's going wrong in the company, right? Because it all comes through the support. It all comes through the support. So it, so he wasn't completely stupid, but he was kind of an asshole. So, um, but yeah, unfortunately, that job did not last long. I ended up uh, I ended up back at the uh, the the uh, the company that became uh, the the. the, the Anyway, that that, led, that kept me going down the checkpoint road, I guess you could say, or the, well, I shouldn't probably say that, but you know what I mean. So, um, anyway, um, but it, it kept me going down the road. So, I think we should hear that voicemail from Mama T. Yes, uh, I think we do. Uh, let's play it. Okay, uh, pertaining to the topic of the day, the worst boss I ever had. I had just graduated from college. After changing majors about five different times, I finally decided on education, even though I can't stand kids, simply because I wanted a profession that everybody would respect. So here I was, graduated from college, and I needed a job. Turns out my mother knew somebody who knew somebody. You know how that goes. And I ended up going to a private school that was run by, get this, the Church of Christ. And I was sort of into all that at the time enough to where I could pass myself off as respectable enough to be hired. So I dressed myself appropriately, you know, the dress and all that crap and walk into the guy's office and here we have an 80 something year old dude that should have retired at least 20 years before and I sit down and we talk a little bit and he finally says you know I don't really want to hire you but it's Christmas break and we need somebody, and I don't want to spend all my holiday worrying about it. I'm like, I don't really want to hire you, but it's Christmas break, and we need somebody, and I don't want to spend all my holiday worrying about it. I'm like, to myself, of course, 
what the actual fuck? But instead, I just looked at him with my mouth open and said, whatever are you talking about? I just graduated from college with a double BS and a minor in secondary ed. I said, I'm as qualified as anybody else who would walk in here. He said, that's not the point. He said, the parents will look at you and assume that you are retarded because I have certain physical imperfections that are very obvious. I swallowed my pride and took the job. Thankfully, it only lasted a month because the school lost their funding. I never was so glad to get away from a place of employment. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Love y'all. Bye. Thank you, Mama How T. very fucking dare that asshole. And you know what? That's karma right there. <laughs> that exactly. No. Y'all lost your shit because your dude was a piece of shit. Okay. Well, so there's double. So we've got double B's here. I think that was one of the. Yes, it was. And that was a, that was a. Um, um, you know, as opposed to double D's, um, but, um, but I could, thought it might have been a typo on the transcript. It probably was. I, I wasn't quite double, sure where yeah, she was going BS, with that Double one. BS, double bachelor mm. of, of science. I know of, what the BS is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all that shit. Is it, okay, to. but so anyway, that, that is a whole thing. Um, and, and so yes, and we also wrote down uh, from from their swapped timelines because yeah, the, I, what had happened is is I had to um, I have to be I I, I can't. I, I should learn not to fucking touch anything in Google Voice while I'm trying while while I'm playing a fucking voicemail. Anyway. You should, but you won't. Yeah, but anyway, I figured I figured out what I did wrong, and so I was trying to. I, I was guessing as about where to put the with the thing back, and I actually, actually was, did pretty good. Yeah, not not too bad for yeah. It might be you know if I really if I really cared, I'd do it as an edit point, but that but that would involve actually doing that. That also work. wouldn't be our show. We don't do edits. No, very rarely anyway. But um, <clears throat> meanwhile, um, I think I should probably tell about that boss on my end of it. And actually, I think truly, it would have to be the last boss that I had, uh, not the little greasers job, but the dump truck job. And it was more a supervisor than a boss, but, you know, we'll go with it. Because I really truly think that they were threatened by my being a woman and doing that job. And I, I really don't see how... You have a yard full of guys who are probably pissing on the tires of the truck, blowing snot on the ground, just being fucking guys. Yet you're going to get super offended by a girl because she says, eat my ass with a spoon. Yeah, no, that doesn't wash with me. That fat fuck knew damn well he was threatened by my position as a woman. And instead of being a man about it, he chicken shit hid behind it and also made me work the whole fucking day before telling me, even though midway through the day... I had, um, I had, uh, been back at the yard. We have a call. Hello, Carl. You're on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. I didn't hear that you had the line open. Uh, <laughs> um, Would you can you hear me? From us? No, we can't hear you, obviously. Okay, good, because uh, my phone sucks inside the house, so let me, let me get over here. Um, so that boss... No, I actually can hear you just fine. For dude. me, huh? I can hear you just fine. You're a dick. Okay, good. That boss. Um, when I was uh, seventeen, um, 
my after it was uh it was a friend of my dad's um my dad had always told me um see his last name rhymes with shady and they, he said they don't call him shady for no reason he said you know it's like i'm cool with him but you know you gotta you gotta keep him at a distance sometimes well um I had a, a profession at the time that the um, badge-carrying members of society probably wouldn't agree with, and my presence in, in town was pretty hot. So um, I hit him. You know, he had come to town to pick up from me, and he was like, "Hey, I need some help doing some work. Um, you need a job or anything?" And uh, it was about seventy-five miles away, so I was like, "Well, shit." Um, let me just crash on your couch for a couple of weeks. If, if that's cool, you know, and I'll, I'll move down there and I'll just, uh, I need to get the fuck out of town anyway, you know, and it just all kind of worked out. Right. And it was all good. Um, I, I stayed with him for a couple of weeks. I got my own place. I was paying rent on one of the places that we actually had, uh, were managing and, uh, well through him, he was a property manager and I was doing, uh, remodels and remakes or, uh, get make readies for people to move in and out shit like that. Um, so I knew he, you know, I knew he smoked, you know, he smoked bud, you know, that's no problem. Um, I knew in his past that he had had a cocaine problem, um, intravenous use. Um, and that, that's, <laughs> so, um, anyway, he, uh, one night it's like fucking three o'clock in the morning, dude. And he comes pounding on my fucking door. Right. Gets me up out of bed because he's shit face fucking drunk. And I'm a pretty generally nice person. You know, somebody's in a predicament, you know, I'm talking about offing themselves and things like that. Like, I'm, I'm at least try, you know. So, um, I come to find out when he'd get drunk like this, he'd get drunk, he'd start a fight with his wife, and then he'd leave for the night and go smoke a bunch of crack. So now, I'm chauffeuring this motherfucker around while he's we're going off through the hood to buy a fucking rock. And now I got to sit here where he's smoking fucking crack all night. And it's like, I, I, I don't do those kinds of drugs. My friend, like I don't party with those kinds of people. <laughs> my, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all. No. So anyway, well, it, this is, this is what, this is what made it even worse. So the next day I was late to work. Um, motherfucker had me out three four till five o'clock in the morning and i was supposed to be at work at seven so i come in at about eight and he has the nerve to chastise me in front of the whole rest of the fucking crew so i put it all out in the fucking open fuck you you crackhead motherfucker i ain't no i'm not putting up with this shit you know why i'm late because this motherfucker had me out all night chasing down crack rocks because he wants to beat up his fucking wife when he gets drunk like you know i i kind of so that you know that was the end of that friendship relationship you know i'd only known the guy since i was born but <laughs> like fuck that dude that's fuck a piece of shit uh get me riled crazy. up i still so yeah that's that that was that was that boss for me yeah that that definitely i, I think that one rates right up there with some of the worst mofos yeah, that was, uh, that was, I couldn't see myself working for him, um, after that. It was about, it was about a week later that, um, I changed professions, so, 
Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty fucking dumb. It was a shitty experience. Yeah, so. the universe definitely guiding you in a different direction by force. Yeah, most definitely. And it's like, dude, I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not going to continue to do this. Like, you're not. Like, it's just. It, it, it had happened once before that where he come up in the middle of the night, but it was like on a weekend, you know what I mean? So it wasn't no big deal. It wasn't no carry over to the next morning, talk shit to me in front of the rest of the work crew because I was late because you had me out because you want to get pieced out all night. So it's, that was, that was where I drew the fucking line. Like I let him have it that day. So, so what did everybody Sometimes else people do suck. or say? Huh? What did everybody there like say or do like when you did that? Oh, um, well, it turns out that he had done the same thing to one of the other guys in the crew who had actually moved to Southeast Kansas from Colorado to get away from all the coke because where he was in Colorado was one of the richer sides. I've heard, I had another buddy who said he went to a party in Aspen one day that, um, when you come in, they ask you your name and they spelled it out in cursive on the table in cocaine. And that was your pile for the night. Oh, that's Wow. So those, you know, he moved out there to get away from that. And now this guy's trying to shove it in his face again. You know, it's, that's, it's, um, it was, it turns out that he was like that to a lot of people. Um, he got me into a bar fight one night and I almost got pinned between two cars. Um, oh, holy shit. that was pretty sketch. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so we go to the bar and, um, there's a little place called kitchen pass and, um, where it is in this town is there's a, there's a main drag through the center, like, you know, like small downtown areas, like three blocks long. And, um, it's, uh, on the, on the backside, most of the parking's in the back. So you come out to the, towards the alley and, um, he was supposed to be, I guess he was supposed to be selling this guy his, some Xanax or something out of his prescription or some shit. I don't fucking know. But he goes up to the bar and just picks a fucking fight with this guy. Like, as soon as this guy's plate sets down in front of him, he just ordered this steak. And dude goes up and starts talking shit to him. And so he draws him outside. And I'm just standing over by the car just watching because, like, I am fucking don't care at this point. Like, get your ass beat. So um, I was standing over. I was standing kind of – I was um, standing up against the back bumper. And the other guy had gotten his car and was trying to run – the guy I was with over and then so he, he comes in he guns it at him and stomps on the brakes and stops uh, probably about two feet from pinching me between both the cars my car and um, or the guy I was with and the guy he was trying to fight and then so we're like like fucking across the alley maybe 300 yards from the police station so it's, and I mean they obviously going to be right there and yeah, that was a whole ass fucking ordeal. I had to, uh, I actually had to sign a statement to keep his ass out of jail that day. That's the only time I've ever actually like done, so, you know, willingly signed a statement. <laughs> it's just like I got to keep this dumb ass out of jail. So I was like, I don't know, man. They just, we were coming outside and like they just started arguing with each other. I don't know. Like nobody's hurt. So I don't see what the deal is. Like, you know. So yeah, I got him out of it that night, but I just, yeah, that dude sucked to work for. He was a sucky friend. Well, like I said, I've yeah, known him my entire life, so it was like life. I didn't know what he was like. I didn't know him like that. Like, I, you know, me and my dad would go over there when he was still alive, and we'd smoke, you know, and that was 
that was, you know, we'd hang out and smoke or we'd go ride around in the country and go fishing and shit, you know, we'd, uh, fishing in strip pits and off bridges and whatever, just, I don't know, doing country shit. But yeah, I didn't, I had no idea it was that bad. So once I figured out it was really that bad, like it was in the course of like two weeks that all this shit happened. So it was like, it just went downhill real fast. And I just had to get the fuck away from that guy because uh, one of us was going to be in jail. I didn't want it to be me. Heard that. Turns out he lost a job where when I was working for him, um, he was working for a property manager out of California who invested in my area because it's cheaper. And uh, you can get more, you know, more buildings for the money, whatever. And turns out he was doubling up on materials every time we do a job, and he'd take fucking bunch of shit back and cash out on it. So. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, he's he's like I said, his name rhymes with shady, so they didn't call him shady for no reason. That that. Like I said, my dad like told me that, but I found out shit. the hard way. Not that it stops anybody from doing things just because it's illegal. No, no, no. I mean, no, but you know. Yeah, that was so. Anyway, I did, I actually didn't know the line was open, Phoenix. I didn't hear that it was open. I didn't mean to cut off your story. No, 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 no. I had I had pretty much uh, told the entirety of my story. You know, the the guy got offended because I made a comment about you know these you know so and so can eat my ass with a spoon, and the fucker waits until the end of the day after like midday. I had been there. I had seen that fat prick eyeball to eyeball. He knew the fuck he was going to goddamn fire me because that shit was said in the morning. He fucked me over by making me work that whole fucking day. And it was my birthday. That's the piss. This shit happened on my motherfucking birthday. I was livid. The only thing that made it nice was that phone boy gave me my pretty ring that I have that will only be replaced when he finally pops the question. So I wear this ring all the time. It's got a heart in the in the July birthstone with diamonds on each side. It's really pretty and cute. And I had picked it out and because he loves me, he got it for me. That was the only thing that made that day not suck because everything else was a giant dick in the ass. Ugh, a giant dick in the ass. She said painful. Ugh. Yeah, the, the kind Ugh. that you don't even get the prison loop. Just dry fucking. That was my... Uh, straight and dry fucking. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Maybe fucking in San Quentin. <laughs> the kind of shit where they even pull in your hair because you too busy fucking biting your hair off. Oh, I don't know. You know, he made it real. <laughs> I verbally touched him in that place. <laughs> ew. That's just... Ew. Not for me. <laughs> Not for me, dog. Gonna pass on that. Yeah, no so. joke. Like this, this is why you do not want to go to federal prison, dude. You're gonna be Thunder Dick's, <laughs> you know, jelly sandwich, and and you don't want to know where the peanut butter coming from. No. Or where it's going. <laughs> that's that's the truth. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. They, also, they also apparently snort detergent, according to Frank Zappa. But I don't. I don't want to know. No. Uh, on a scale from one to nope. Yeah, well, he was talking about the music executives that that, that were that were in prison apparently in the Joe's garage. That's what he was talking about. Uh, that's what they would do: snorting detergent and pluk themselves. Pluky children. Oh, look, my nephew's here. All right, well, I'm gonna jump off here, guys. Um, I'll be around for Studio 33. 
and we'll uh, we'll have a great goddamn time. As we yeah, always we do. Will. All right, love you. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye. Well, thank you, weirdo. We appreciate that. Um, so, um, but I think, uh, yeah, I think I think uh, we're going to leave the phone lines open. Two five three two three seven three three two one. Well, uh, if you want to call in and talk about your boss. Uh, even if you're listening to this later and you want to do it, go ahead. Two five three two three seven three three two one. Meanwhile, I think it is time to achieve a higher consciousness, is it not? I think it is. I'll take a drink, and I my name's Smoke Little Reef. You know, I I like to smoke reefer. You know, it relaxes me and everything. A couple of doobies, you know, just to get you through the day and everything. But I do not freebase cocaine. That's right. We do not freebase cocaine, and we also don't do this other thing. Don't now, according to a study, higher doses of naloxone didn't save more lives. <laughs> Big surprise there. I actually had a passenger in my ride share that was a representative for a company that markets a uh, synthetic naloxone. And she was talking about how a lot of times the reason that that medication, also known as Narcan, is not effective is because... One, you have to squirt it up their nose and they, if they're sitting up, it's just going to run out. So you kind of have to have them in, in a, a horizontal position in order for this to take effect. Now, a higher dose version of naloxone, a nasal spray used to reverse opioid induced overdoses, did not lead to more saved lives, according to a new study published earlier this month. The findings published by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. We know how credible those pricks are. Well, as I say, the prevent, prevention of living, I think, is what this what Very they, much prevention uh, of living. Yeah, because that's pretty much, yeah, the, the centers is for disease control. They're, they're, they're controlling the diseases to, More uh, like population to, to prevent control. you from living. But anyway, go on. <laughs> Precisely. Now, according to this study, it indicated that there's no significant difference found in the survival of aided persons in the new 8 milligram naloxone dosage. According to the study, there were likewise no significant differences in the number of doses administered by law enforcement by formulation, suggesting that in the field test, the increased dosage didn't provide added benefit, even in light of the increased prevalence of synthetic opioids, including fentanyl in the drug supply. Drugs. Now, other studies have also found that the number of naloxone doses administered in response to overdose hasn't changed over time, even with four milligrams and other lower potency formulas. In this study, persons who received the eight milligram product were more than twice as likely to experience post-naloxone opioid withdrawal symptoms and signs, including vomiting, compared with those who received the four milligram intranasal naloxone product. Now, when the vomiting was analyzed as, as an isolated sign, no significant differences between formulations were found. However, the higher prevalence of vomiting as an isolated sign in both groups is concerning because of the risk of aspiration in sedated persons. Well, that's why you get EMS on scene as fast as you can with suction. And also the cops should be carrying portable suctions, etc. Don't make me rage because I'll do it. And Wookiee can rage with me because we both ran EMS for numerous years. Mm. So Dr. Michael Daly was one of the authors of the study and told the Associated Press that what was really remarkable was the survival was the same, but the amount of withdrawal sy symptoms was significantly larger in the people that got the eight milligram dose. 
The study was conducted between March of 22 and August of 23 within, wait for it, the New York State Department of Health. That's right. So they supplied some of their fine officers with 8 milligram transnasal naloxone and others continued to receive the 4 milligram intranasal naloxone to treat suspected opioid overdoses. Now, the initial study suggested no benefits to law enforcement administration of the higher dose, and more research is needed to guide the public health agencies in considering whether an 8-milligram intranasal naloxone confers additional benefit for community organizations. Yeah, okay, well, but I'm going stop to stop this for a second, because, okay, so my question is, how is it benefiting community organizations to have bigger doses of this drug? It's, maybe, maybe is it, is it, is it the, uh, is it okay, maybe let, the... I think I need to, I, I actually have some context for you that may clarify this for the listeners. Understand that when you have to administer this Narcan, naloxone, whatever you call it, ultimately, if you're administering a four milligram, you're going to have to administer two of them. It's just known. So in their theory, by administering all eight all at once, it's saving time. And if all you have to have is eight milligrams on hand, if you have limited space, like the police, like uh, there was actually, I think Hempress Emily M was talking about how when she was in Jersey, they had given the Wawa she worked at doses of this because they were having consistent calls at her location for overdoses. And they figured, well, fuck it. You know, in, in the interest of trying to save lives, let's just have you guys hold on to some of these. And, you know, here's how you administer it if necessary or... Actually, I think she said it was to have on hand for when the cops got there. That way, if EMS wasn't there and or if they didn't have it on them, they had access to it. The manager of the store was like, fuck that and threw the doses away. Uh, okay, so, so okay, when you well, have hold, that, uh, it's not any benefit to begin with. Okay, so let, but let me. Okay, so you, what you just said, right, triggered something in my head. He said, okay, it is. It is did I hear you correctly that it is common um, in, in those situations to administer two doses? That is what I said, the four milligram doses. Right. So this article did not talk about that fact. Number one, that's, that's kind of an important thing. And so it also changes whether it's four milligrams or if, whether the patient is receiving four milligrams, eight milligrams, um, or 16 milligrams. No, they would not double administer the eight. I will tell you that right now, because that is extremely contraindicated. That literally, you're going to kill them if your intent is to save them, that's not going to do it. You would overdose them on the drug itself. But yes, traditionally, you have to administer two doses of the four milligram to get the full benefit of this Okay, so but okay, but I'm gonna okay now I'm gonna drug. now I'm gonna ask another question because okay now you've because so what this article seems to imply, right, is that the police are administering only one four milligram dose, not two. That's not mentioned in this article anywhere. If so, it's not mentioned in the article, then they are probably misrepresenting what the traditional yeah. uh, usage would be. Because, I mean, I got this directly from and personal experience with having run an EMS that two doses are required. You're not and you can. If you don't believe me, go on to you and I know it's YouTube, but go on to YouTube and look up some of these overdose videos from body cams. You will see that the the cops are administering no less than two doses by proxy or, or by by default, I should say. 
because it requires the two. The first one usually will not bring the patient around. It is truly the second one. And I'm thinking there's a minute in between administering the first and the second dose, although don't quote me. Mind you, I have not had my cert for several years. And there have been, of course, changes in things. But the last thing I knew, it's a, it's a minute in between the first dose and the second dose. But yeah, the lack of statement in this that uh, they're yeah. having to administer the two doses, that's a failure on journalism's part to either do the research or, or include it in their story. Yeah, I don't think they knew. I think this is, I'm sure this was written by a PR agency, as a lot of these stories often are. Although it wasn't. I mean, it probably was, but I mean, this, I'm telling you, this is coming boots on the ground from the writer that I had who works for a company that has this literature and information on hand. We had a fantastic conversation about it because of my background in EMS and whatnot. Yeah. So, okay. Now, the authors noted that although the 8 milligram naloxone was first approved by the Food and Drug Administration, for emergency use in 2021, no real-world data on the use of the 8-milligram product is, is, are available. What? Yeah, so the study suggests that there are no benefits to law enforcement administration of higher-dose uh, naloxone, the author said, and additional data is needed to guide public health agencies in considering whether the 8-milligram international uh, product provides benefits compared with the usual 4-milligram international naloxone product among community organizations, including law enforcement, given the lack of difference in the survival rates of the number of naloxone doses administered, and the increased prevalence of opioid withdrawal signs and symptoms, including vomiting in 8-milligram re recipients. When compared with recipients of the four milligram nasal naloxone, well, I still think maybe some of I, I these. I still like you because you again. I don't think you can have it both ways. You can say, well, they would not administer an eight. You know, on one hand, you say they would they would not administer two eight milligram doses. Another, but what you just told me that their standard is to do at least two. So that's right. Which means that, and I don't think that the, in in the moment that those fuckers are doing, I'm sure they're fucking overdosing these assholes on this with this eight milligram stuff because of, if they're not properly properly trained in it. Yeah. yeah, that's completely possible. And there, there's two more things I want to bring up in this, okay? The first of which is, Weirdo says in the chat, and he's completely right, the first thing that a person says after they wake up by being hit with Narcan is, you fucking blew my high, and they come up swinging. That is facts fucking machine all day long. That is one of the things you have to worry about when you administer this shit, because they're coming up swinging, they're going to be pissed. They just spent their last 50, 100 bucks on that fucking high, and you just fucking instantly took it away. Second thing I want to say about that is the first dose, as I stated before, if you're not properly positioning the patient to administer it, you might as well have just thrown that fucking dose in the sewer because that's about as much use as it's going to be to that patient. Unless you get that medication into their nasal passages and keep it in there and no, you don't want to plug their nose, so don't go there, it's going to be fucking useless. Uh, you might get Mm, an eighth to a quarter of the dose into them that actually uh, has any effect, which could also possibly be why two doses are required. Because if you fuck up the first dose, at least you have a second dose with the four milligram, where if you blow your whole wad on the eight milligram, yeah, you're Dunsville, dude, because you don't know how much of that drug got into that person. And like phone boy just said, you have a great opportunity that you're going to overdose the person. Now, granted, okay, if, if we're doing a, you know, comparison here, uh, uh, I'm going to die because I just fucking overdosed on Fent or I'm going to die because they fucking hit me with too much Narcan. Mm. Kind of a Sophie's choice on that one, which uh, which to go with, you know, real 
uh, Kobayashi Maru, as we've recently been speaking about. Yeah, and if you don't know what the Kobayashi Maru is, it's something from the, the Star Trek universe. This is this is the this is the uh, the problem that they would uh, that they would assign a Star a Starfleet Academy uh, um, participants, and, and 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 it was it's ba- it's a classic no win situation. Now, of course, uh, James Tiberius Kirk actually found a solution to it. He's he's a clever dude, um, but you know anyway. But the, like I said, they're generally speaking, when we talk about a Kobayashi Maru, it's yes, it is exactly a you know, classic no win situation. You have to try and figure out how to navigate it. So. Um, exactly. And this next thing we need to navigate is this study that found a link between marijuana use and cardiovascular disease. Smoke weed every day. Now, survey data collected from more than 430,000 U.S. adults over multiple years suggest a strong, statistically significant link between the use of cannabis and increased risk of cardiovascular disease, specifically heart attack and stroke. Now, the open access study was published this week in the Journal of the American Heart Association, found that people who use cannabis every day had 25% higher odds of having a heart attack and 42% higher odds of having a stroke compared with those who do not use cannabis at all. Yeah, but the yeah, but the national survey data, which was collected between 2016 and 2020, also contained data on people who use cannabis less frequently than daily. Now, survey respondents were asked how many days in the past 30 days that they use cannabis, which allowed researchers to estimate the odds of cardiovascular disease among the whole spectrum of cannabis use. And, and they found near linear co, uh, dose responses with more days per month associated with higher risk. Now, this isn't the first time that researchers have found an association or created one uh, between cannabis use and cardiovascular disease, but the study is among the largest to date, with a sample size between 3 and 17 times larger than previous studies. This Its size not only added weight to the link, but also allowed researchers to drill down into other risk factors for cardiovascular disease. This is not a drill. This is a drill. <laughs> yes. From, from, the, from that lovely show Red Dwarf. Now, one common complicating factor is that people who use cannabis often use tobacco products which carry their own increased risk for cardiovascular disease. In the new study led by Abra Jeffries, I almost said Jabra Jeffries or something like that. I think I need to write that down as a show title. Uh, of Massachusetts General Hospital. Yes, get your fucking bell. There's, there. there's my sperm burp. Yes. Researchers were able to do two additional analyses. Uh, one that looked at the cardiovascular disease risk in people who use cannabis, but it never, um, it, it, but never used tobacco products. And a second one that looked at people who used cannabis, but had never used tobacco products or e-cigarettes. I've been made redundant. I'm sorry, but that's extremely redundant in my opinion. The only difference in that statement is one listed e-cigarettes and one did not. That just, no. And now without the tobacco use, the higher odds of heart attack and stroke persisted for people who use cannabis. For those without tobacco or e-cigarette use, only the higher odds of stroke remained. So the researchers also looked at age, another complicating factor. Heart disease can take years or decades to develop, but people who use cannabis tend to skew younger. The 434,104 people who took the survey ranged from age 18 to 74, and the analysis adjusted for other health factors, including alcohol use, diabetes, 
body mass index, and physical activity. Yeah, don't look at the diet, though. Don't look over here, because that might be the real fucking reason. So when the, research, when the researchers looked at just the adults who would be considered on the young side for developing cardiovascular disease, less than 55 for men and less than 65 for women, they found that cannabis use also increased the odds of premature cardiovascular disease. And again, the link was independent of tobacco and e-cigarette use. And again, it said nothing about the fucking diet. So in all, the research concluded that the, these data suggest that cannabis use may be a risk factor for cardiovascular disease and may be a risk factor for premature cardiovascular disease. This is particularly concerning, they add, because of the growing acceptance and use of cannabis in the U.S. and a decline in perceived health risks. Really, Captain Herbalife? I bet Captain Herbalife is munchy. And, you know, that we, you know you, you've been kind of making the snarky comments about diet. And yeah, one thing that one thing that smoking cannabis does is um, gives you the munchies, right? That's a um, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend because I think I know where you're going with this. And I'm just going to, you know, put the brakes, pump the brakes because... You still have, even when you have the munchies, okay, you still have the ability to make good food choices. If you don't have it in your house, you don't have it in your mouth. Yeah, that, honey, that's exactly where I was. Actually, that was exactly where I was going with this. I, well, don't, there think, you I, didn't, go. I, I don't know where, you, where the fuck you thought I was going, but. Well, because munchies usually denotes your grab most people, not us, <laughs> but most people for most people. And I've said most people like 10 times, okay. The munchies equates to grabbing a bag of Doritos or a sleeve of Oreos, or in my case, uh, s'mores Pop-Tarts with a jar of peanut butter. Don't judge. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's, it, it comes down to what you're eating, right? It's Yes, we know that. So this is going to increase your food use consumption to some degree. The question is, what are you consuming? Now, you can overconsume anything and, 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 and be problematic. I'm, I'm sure that it, that probably has not helped in, in my in our own in our own weight loss journeys because, yeah. The, the, yes, but we once the weather gets warmer, we're going to go back to being what we're supposed to be being. We've been very bad and we got to cut the Yes. Okay. Now, meanwhile, this study has limitations that preclude a firm conclusion that can, that cannabis is actually ca causing cardiovascular disease. Now, this study relies on self-reported data. Uh, Biased I, I, anyone? Yes. On both cardiovascular health and cannabis use, both of which can be unreliable. It also relied on data collected at a specific point in time. It's possible that some people turn to cannabis use after developing cardiovascular disease rather than before, for instance. Now, this, the survey data can't make that distinction. It's only making an association. The authors note that cardiovascular disease, heart attack, and stroke have not previously been identified as major reasons that people use cannabis. This lessens the reverse concern that cardiovascular disease is increasing the odds of cannabis use. But researchers do note that many studies have linked the use of cannabis to chronic pain, insomnia, and anxiety, all of which have been associated with cardiovascular disease. Oh, what a fucking stretch they made on that one, yeah. huh? Yeah. Last, the survey data does not include data on people's actual cardiovascular health, such as blood pressure and lipid profiles. Oh, once again, biased anyone. Yeah, exactly. So another wrinkle in the study is the route of cannabis use and how it may play a role to, in the link to cardiovascular disease. About 74% of cannabis users in the study reported smoking cannabis, which could potentially increase the risk of cardiovascular disease, much the same way tobacco cigarettes do. A result of inhaling particulate matter into the lungs. Now, it's unclear if edible cannabis products would weaken the association seen in the study. But yeah, and vaping also, I mean, in fairness, I know when I vape a authentic cart or when I smoke flour, um, 
the the cart will make me cough a lot. It will cause me to have to use my inhaler. Where smoking the flower, again, it's natural. You grow it, you clip it, you dry it, you smoke it. No chemicals involved right there. That's right. Other other than other than the application of fire. But uh, this it, is true, but the application of fire is not the same as in a process in which you're using either butane or some other chemical. Yes, exactly. Now, um, now the authors note that there is a biologically plausible link between cannabis and cardiovascular disease. Now, c- cell signaling receptors that detect components of cannabis, the endocannabinoid receptors that are all over our fucking body, they're, they're wonderful things, uh, they're ubiquitous throughout the cardiovascular system as much as the rest of the body. Now, the research and, and the key psychoactive, psychoactive substance in cannabis, tetrahydrocannabinol, or as, as I, I almost, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to go, I have to find my, because I, I made this clip. You, you realize it's a, this is a, you I have know, no idea what you're doing. No, but this is, there's a clip I pulled. We didn't actually use, but I'm going to play it. Yeah, I, I had to play, any, any opportunity I get to play some Primus, you know, to maybe. Yeah, I'll, but God knows he mumbles. Yes, well, especially, well, you, you can't hear his voice over that fucking bass. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's actually true. That, that, that bass kind of slaps you in the face. Yes. So, meanwhile, um, this is going to slap you in the face. Oh, boy, y'all. This, is, this was a fucking hate cover. Um, and it, it caused me to go down a very, very awesome uh, rabbit hole. Uh, you can see, I'll tell you where these clips come from. But this Amazon... Amazon's Choice Video Doorbell could just let about anyone spy on you. Step one, identify the target and its flaws. There are always flaws. I learned that early in life. Yes, that was for Mr. Robot. I, this is this is a series, a series we are gonna have to watch. Yeah, I, I've I watched all but like the last uh, 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 series uh, season of it. But I've yes, if you want to find out how, how you know the cyber criminals actually do shit, this I mean, you, you, there's a lot of Hollywood. Sh- I've seen a lot of Hollywood uh, portrayal of this shit. Is that, I mean, I'm watching I'm watching Rami Malek or, or you know probably probably a stunt double at this uh, typing in like regular expressions in, in Python, and, and I was I was getting all squishy. I'm going yeah i got moist yes so um anyway so yes this is probably the closest thing you're going to have to somebody actually you know actually watching a real hacker it's you know obviously it's a little bit dramatized but not as much as you'd think now consumer reports is reporting the security on doorbell cameras sold by amazon temu shine sears and walmart it's so incredibly lax that anybody could just walk up to your house take over your doorbell and permanently get access to the still images it captures even if you take control back now the cameras are sold by a chinese company let's 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 not be surprised by that, uh, called Ekin, under at least 10 different brands, including Awit, Enode, Ekin, Fishbot, Jemmy, Luckwolf, Rakeblue, and Tuck. Yeah, we, Is this the Chinese people's telephone company? Clearly. because Now, Consumer Reports says online marketplaces like Amazon sell thousands of them each month. Now, some of them have even carried the Amazon's Choice Badge, its dubious seal of approval. Now, yet Amazon didn't even respond to Consumer Reports' finding last we heard, much less pull the cameras off its virtual shelves. Now, here, there's one on sale right now. We don't care. We don't have to. 
Now, shopping app Temu, at least, told Consumer Reports it would halt sales after le- hearing just how incredibly easy they are to hack. Now, frankly, hack might be too strong of a word. Now, not only do these cameras reportedly expose your public-facing IP address and Wi-Fi network in plain text to anyone who can intercept your network traffic, and hope you aren't checking them on a public Wi-Fi, they reportedly broadcast snapshots of your front porch on web servers that don't ask any username or password. Step two, build malware and prepare an attack. Yeah. Now, one Consumer Reports security staffer was able to freely access images by of a colleague's face from an Ekin camera on the other side of the country just by figuring out the right URL. Now, worse, all a bad actor would need to figure out of those web, apps, web addresses is the serial number of your camera. Now, even worse, a bad actor could get that serial number by simply holding down your doorbell button for eight seconds, then repairing your camera with another account in the AWIT smartphone app. And until you take control of your camera again, they'll get video and audio as well. Now, worse still, that that bad actor could then share those serial numbers with anyone else on the internet. Consumer Reports tells us that once serial number is out in the wild, a bad actor can write a script that would just keep downloading any new images generated by the camera. Everything was revealed. The secret of the perfect hack. Yeah, well, this wasn't a hack, folks. This is just just very, very lax security. Um, you know. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because. Can we see future lawsuits occurring over the fact Amazon is not pulling these off the shelves, even after there's obvious proof that they've been notified of the problems and how easy they are to, uh, what's the word, penetrate? Yeah, something. I mean, it's yeah, and and, and we've we've done yeah, we've there's found we found other stories. This is not you know, it's not just these Chineseium companies that that, that do this. That, that, like the legitimate companies have problems too. It's it's uh, so I just don't I you know if I'm going to have one of those cameras, it's not going to have a connection to the internet. I'm going to have it store its images on a local server here. That's the way to do it if you're if you're going to do that shit. But now, but is that an option? I think it is. You have to work hard to find them. I mean, they all they all want you to have a fucking app for everything. But anyway, the, the, I'm sure there's Hey, a w- when my crock pot needs an app or my grill needs an app, that's when we've truly crossed into the twilight zone. Your, your, our ice maker does have an app, by the way, in case you were curious about I that. I didn't need to know that. The next thing you know, the damn thing is going to be taking facial recognition when you pour the water in or something. Okay, that's... You're skipping ahead in the story. But meanwhile, we're going to talk about how no, Apple... No, I'm not... No, I'm not skipping anything. I'm saying with the fact that it's connected to the internet... And anymore, yeah. that seems to be the go-to is they're yeah. collecting data on you in every way, including facial recognition. Yeah, I'm so not skipping we, anything. No, I understand. I'm just saying that the story after the one we're about to do is actually has an example. Well, they wouldn't know that. Yes, I know. But I was making sure that we weren't skipping a story because Apple, now Apple, which we reported on, is a changing course and will keep the, the web apps in the EU um, uh, as they are for now instead of, uh, well, discontinuing them. And people always like to say, aren't y'all selling us the same shit? And our answer is always the same. Yes, but this time it's a little bit more expensive. Now, we reported on this, and the reason this is the reason I had to cover the follow-up. Now, Apple has changed its stance on allowing web apps on iPhones and iPads in Europe and will continue to let users put them on their home screens after iOS 17.4 arrives. Uh, they will, however, have to be built directly on WebKit in its security architecture rather than running in, in alternative browsers, which is how it had worked up until the new legislation forced the issue. So this is the, the European Union's Digital Markets Act. It demanded Apple and other to open its mobile devices to alternative browsers 
browser engines. The company said it would remove the ability to install home screen apps entirely. Now, in a developer Q&A section under the heading, Why Don't Users in the EU Have Access to Home Screen Web Apps? Apple said that the complex security and privacy concerns of non-native web apps and, and what addressing them would require, given the other demands of the DMA and the, and the very low user adoption of home screen web apps, made it so that the company had to remove the home screen web apps feature in the EU. Now, any web app installed on a user's home screen would have been simply led them back to their preferred web browser. You were very happy to get a Sammy Hagar clip in here, I'm just saying. Yes, yes, I was. So Apple further warned against malicious web apps, which, without the isolation built into its WebKit system, could read data, steal permissions from other web apps, and install further web apps without permission, among other concerns. And not wrong um, on that. Now, that response prompted an inquiry by the European Commission officials who asked Apple and app developers about the impact of a potential removal of home screen web apps. It also prompted a survey conducted by the Open Web Advocacy Group. Now, Apple has until March 6th to comply with the DMA. Now, Apple's move to block web apps entirely suggests that that allowing web apps powered by Safari but not other browser engines might violate the DMA's rules. Now, some aspect of, of that cautious approach has changed. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. Yes. Um, and under an approved, uh, an updated, an approved, an approved updated version of that section heading, Apple reiterates its security and privacy concerns and the need to, quote, build new integration architecture that does not exist in iOS. But because of the requirements to continue web app offerings, we will continue to offer the existing home screen capability in the EU, Apple writes. Now, in a statement provided to Ars Technica, or, uh, Apple said that its approach to the Digital Markets Act was guided by two simple goals, complying with the law and reducing the inevitable increased risks the DMA creates for our EU users. Uh, it noted that Apple employees spent months in conversation with the European Commission and, and had, in little more than a year, created more than 600 new APIs and a wide range of developer tools. You know, Apple's doing its part, apparently. Now, still, Apple said the changes and safeguards input in place can't entirely eliminate the new threats the DMA creates, and the changes will result in a less secure system. Now, that might very well be true. Now, this is why Apple said it's limiting third-party browser engines, app stores, and other DMA changes to the European Union. Now, we're concerned about their impacts on the privacy and security of our users' experience, which remains our North Star. Now, Am I the only one who's just hearing... Yeah, well... Here's the thing. Um, it's, of course, I, I, when, when we were going, when I was going through this story last night, my, my immediate thought was, well, yeah, we don't want other people to take, take our users' data. That's our job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, meanwhile, uh, now, we're, now we're getting into our facial recognition story. Uh, you are being watched. The government has a secret system, a machine that spies on you every hour of every day. So there was an error message that exposed the use of facial recognition technology in the vending machines in Canada. So is there such a thing as an innocuous deployment of this technology? Sure. There's a chance that might happen, but it would involve telling people this information is being collected while making it clear what the information is being gathered for. Facial recognition technology in a vending machine is unlikely to aid and abed a string of vi rights violations, but it's far from innocent. In fact, it tends to disturb people who might otherwise be supportive of government use of this technology. 
College students in search of snacks are never going to assume their purchases are triggering facial recognition technology. Wes Davis's brief summary of a much deeper story for The Verge makes it immediately clear how regular people feel about unexpected facial recognition deployments. And I quote, why do the stupid M&M machines have facial recognition? M&M's chocolate candies, the milk chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Sounds like that sounds okay. That, that was a commercial from 1985, by the way. The guy, the kid, sounded like Howard Cosell. Yeah. He really did. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah, this a student at the University of Waterloo in Canada asked that in a post showing the vending machine error that revealed a facial recognition app had failed. Student publication Math News found that the that the machine's maker Invenda advertises that it gathers estimated ages and genders of every client. But don't worry, Invenda told Ars Technica, the machines are fully GDP, GDPR compliant. Okay, well, the journalist at Waterloo University's math newspaper dug a lot deeper into this story. And the end result may be the welcome removal of surprisingly intrusive snack machines. But the details show that vending machine manufacturers are willing to deploy this tech without performing much due diligence, far more reluctant to own up to it. Uh, Now... The first mystery that needed to be solved was identifying which company was specifically responsible for adding facial recognition tech to machines that have general that have generated healthy profits for years without attempting to serendipitously serendipitously yeah that word surreptitiously gather demographic demographic data on their customers. That's a big word. Yeah, that's a big word. Big word when you're stoned. Yeah, the the error message that inadvertently informed students of the presence of this tech included the name of the vendor. It said invenda.vending.facialrecognitionapp.exe application error. Now, Invenda is not the first link in this chain. The machines were placed on the campus by a third-party vendor, PlantOps. Definitely sounds like an op to me. Does. Yes. That, that, the company claimed to have zero involvement beyond the delivery and placement of the vending machines. I call bullshit on that. Yeah, uh, they, you know that they're uh, shielding themselves from future litigation yeah, they were there. Yeah, this this they, they were the vending machines were owned and, uh, and 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 operated by an entirely different company. Now that company was Adaria Vending Services, but this third party also does not manufacture or control the machines, operation or internal tech. The tech exposed by this error links back to the company named in the error message, Invenda. Note that Adaria's hands are completely clean, as a student newspaper points out. Now Adaria does not make the machines. The journalist first de, uh, firstly determined the machine's original manufacturer to be. Invenda Group, an organization boasting intelligent vending machines with data collection capabilities. Now, some data collected is, in fact, benign, including sales and UI and performance metrics. But Adaria can also use these metrics to collect further data, sending it to relevant parties, including Mars, the manufacturer of M&Ms in particular. Invenda's sales brochures state the machines are capable of sending estimated ages and genders of every client. You're shitting me. Now, two beneficiaries... Of additional data, although sales and UI performance never necessitate the development of facial recognition tech, it's only the latter, the stuff Invenda and its clients actually want. That can't be gathered by anything other than cameras and tech that phone home with conjecture about age and race uh, as determined by yet another company's facial recognition tech. Now, We've all heard the stories about how accurate that facial recognition is and how many people are being wrongly convicted of crimes because some AI said, oh, yep, that's it. That's the dude. 
Yeah. So according to the statement provided by Adaria, the machines at the hidden tech do not take or store photos of customers. Now, supposedly the tech acts like a motion sensor, doing nothing more than informing the machine that someone intends to make a purchase. Now, but a motion sensor is way different than a camera with facial recognition tech attached. Well, it might be useful to add something that can differentiate between someone standing in front of the machine rather than someone just near passing it. Uh, there may, there may have been enough advancements in motion, or there have been enough advancements in motion detection to accomplish this without the addition of facial recognition tech. Now, so we don't, we don't believe this excuse. Um, even if many truthfully portray Adaria's relationship to its machines and its apparent data obligations to the manufacturer of the goods located in its vending machines. I've always said to the others, you know, if you want a good cup of coffee, go to the Spencer 23. She makes the best coffee. Are you eating on me? <laughs> I'm a vending machine. Why are you trying to eat on me? Yes. Well, there you go. So, um, Invenda's statement makes it clear that Adaria either doesn't completely understand what's going on or has been forbidden to discuss further details as part of its agreement with Invendia. Now, if we take this story at face value, the facial recognition tech generates a demographic guess, stores it locally, and discards the images used to make this determination. All well and good. But storing it locally doesn't make much difference overall, since deployment of text to, uh, to machines, or, or, you know, since it appears Invenda still harvests this data, even if it requires deployment of text to, to to collect it. Now, it sounds like a GDPR workaround that allows Invented to claim it's not collecting data, this, this data remotely or storing it somewhere else other than the location where it's being collected. Now, that still doesn't explain why Invenda now believes it's essential its vending machines attempt to determine the demographics of customers. It also doesn't explain why anyone involved in this, from Invenda to Adaria to the contractor the, to hire to place the machines on campuses, have failed to clearly inform vending machine customers that this tech has been added to devices most people logically assume do nothing more than exchange goods for money. As the paper, as a student paper, sums up succinctly, no one needs M&M cameras. Now, these companies got along without this tech for the entirety of their existence. M&M's and slash Mars has managed to turn a steady profit for more than a century without needing to harvest supposedly anonymized demographic data via surreptitious deployments of tech many people rightfully rightfully do not trust. Now, the fact that these companies are doing this right now might only suggest a margins narrow and more competitors enter the market. Now, that they couldn't be bothered to be upfront about it suggests that the entities involved are well aware these deployments would not have been welcomed by their customers. So they chose to sneak it in, hoping no one would find out until this particular Overton window passed the inflection point. You? But they got caught sold out by their own defective software, and it's far too transparent error message. And now they're losing customers. As the paper reports, the machines infected with this AI are being removed from campus. I guess everyone on the other side of this food chain had better hope the supposedly locally collected data was worth it. And now everyone everywhere will supposedly be deploying more side-eye than money to vending machines. Of course, And I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Of course, I don't think you should buy anything out of a fucking vending machine, but what the hell do I know? Although no, I, although I will say, okay, so a side digression, one of the times I was in I was in Germany. Um, I was taken someplace that had all these old vending machines in it. All, you know, oh, very cool. Yes. So I have pictures of it. I will have to find and show you at some point. This is a, but yeah. So, nice. the, so yes, yeah, so they used to, you know, I mean, they used to, the, the auto match used to kind of get, it's almost kind of getting, you know, getting like fresh food out of a vending machine, but that's a whole different, uh, that's a whole different thing. Uh, meanwhile, um, I think it's time to go ahead to the junk drawer. Humanity was incapable of solving even its most basic problems, like garbage, which had been stacked for centuries. All right, this one really, really hit home for me. Apparently, Alabama rules frozen embryos are children. What this means for IVF. Ah! 
We're just a couple of frozen embryos. So the Alabama Supreme Court ruled last week that frozen embryos conceived via in vitro fertilization or IVF are considered children under the state's wrongful death of a minor act. What? Right? So the February 16th ruling reversed Mobile County Circuit Court Judge Jill Parrish's decision to dismiss a wrongful death lawsuit between an Alabama fertility clinic and hospital and three couples undergoing fertility treatments. Several frozen embryos belonging to the couples were accidentally destroyed in a hospital cryonursery. Now, wait, y'all. You gotta hear this shit because it gets even better. Man's creation in God's... Oh, where we go again? Let me do that again. Man's creation in God's image is the basis of the general prohibition on the intentional taking of human life, wrote Associate Justice Jay Mitchell, quoting a passage from Genesis. Therefore, to kill man is to deface God's image. And so injury is not only done to man, but also to God. Finally, the doctrine of the sanctity of life is rooted in the sixth commandment. You shall not murder. The justice continued. Separation of uh, church and state, anyone? Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Reverend Phone Boy. Thank you. Testify. First of all, y'all, okay, the court's decision could have major implications for people undergoing IVF treatments in Alabama who have the option to destroy their frozen embryos. The... Uh, now, Alabama has a strict abortion ban prohibiting abortion during all stages of pregnancy unless deemed medically necessary. The Alabama Supreme Court ruling will allow the couples, James LePage and Emily LePage, William Tripp Fond and Carolyn Fond, and Felicia Burdick Assine and Scott Assine, to sue the Center for Reproductive Medicine and the Mobile Infirmary Association for the death of their embryos under Alabama's wrongful death of a minor act. The couples will seek damages for the loss of their frozen embryos, now considered children, by the state law. The couple's embryos... Wait for this, guys. You're going to love it. Yeah. The couple's embryos were accidentally destroyed after a hospital patient wandered into the cryo nursery where they were being preserved. The patient removed the embryos from the freezer and dropped them on the floor after they freezer burnt the patient's hands, according to the ruling. What the fuck? What the fuck was the patient doing in there touching them to begin with is my first question. You would think that Oh, I don't know. Maybe you would need to badge in to that particular section of the hospital via some doors. This should not have been something some rando could just walk the fuck into. Sorry, had to have a little Phoenix rant on that. So the potential detrimental impact on IVF treatment in Alabama can't be overstated, according to a brief filed by the medical group. The increased exposure to wrongful death liability as advocated by the Appellants would, at best, substantially increase the costs associated with IVF. More ominously, the increased risk of legal exposure might result in Alabama's fertility clinics shutting down and (coughs) fertility specialists moving to other states to practice fertility medicine, the group wrote. sad a reduction in alabamans let me find my little girl yeah there's 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 an alabama and i think we both might uh, yeah her her daddy should have fucking 
shot that into a tissue. Yeah. So Alabama's near total abortion ban took effect after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade in June of 22. If other states with strict abortion bans were to follow suit and declare embryos are legally people, this would have ethical implications for fertility patients and their cryogenically stored embryos. Pro-choice advocates and health experts have expressed concern about potential implications for fertility treatments and frozen embryos since those who are anti-abortion say that life begins at conception. Now, I had a very lengthy conversation with Tigger, who actually brought this particular subject to my awareness. So when I saw this story, I was like, yeah, we have to cover it. Now, the show, I promised you I would tell the story of embryo storage wars when we got to this story. So here goes. How this came to be a show title is that because this would literally make it where no matter if you're the parents or not, you're not able to destroy your embryos. What happens to those embryos? They're literally just going to be in storage indefinitely. So you have to start willing your embryos to your great, great grandkids because it's illegal to dispose of them because then it would be murder under this new Alabama law, which is where the whole embryo storage wars came in. Because you can just imagine this little cryo tank in a storage unit somewhere that is up for auction because somebody didn't pay the fucking fee on it. And somebody's like, what's that? Ah, fuck. Now you got a murder charge. So, yeah. Embryo storage wars, y'all. Yeah, that's right. I'm a fucking degenerate. Y'all are a bunch of fucking degenerates. Uh, apparently, a lot of people in Oregon have been degenerates because uh, or- the Oregon legislature approves bill to recriminalize certain drug possessions. I've known, I've known, I've known since I was a kid that there's a lot of a lot of weird fucking people in Oregon. That's just that's just, that's just goes without saying. So, lawmakers in Oregon have approved a bill that would make possession of a small amount of certain drugs a misdemeanor in the state, moving to recriminalize certain substances like fentanyl. After voters previously moved to decriminalize the possession and personal use of all drugs. The measure, HB 4002, now moves to Democratic Governor Tina Kotex's desk for her consideration. I'm sorry, Kotex? Exactly. I'm sure, yeah. I know it's not spelled the same, but damn it. Yes. I'm five. Yes, exactly. I, I knew that. The measure, yeah, so in late January, Kotex uh, uh, joined local officials in declaring a fentanyl a state of emergency in downtown Portland. Yeah, they, they, are, the, they are the fentanyl capital of the, of the Northwest, that's for sure. The state Senate on Friday voted to 21-8 to advance the bill, which the State House had passed on Thursday in a 51-7 vote. So, you know. Yeah, and I uh, we did, uh, I believe it was when we were at the... Uh, train station in San Jose when we went to the game that we encountered that guy that was from Oregon. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I got my wires crossed on that. Um, Yes, there was that guy, but there was also a rider I had. And we were talking about the, like, everything's just fucking legal in Oregon. And then we wonder why there's these tent cities and people shitting in the middle of the street. And it's just fucking anarchy. Well, there you go. You made everything legal, folks. What did you expect was going to happen? Oh wait, oh, wait till we get to this next story. So this, this is this is actually the last story for the for the day. Then this honorable mention: Seattle Comedy Club cancels comics as SNL makes a U-turn. The unsolved mysteries of Seattle. Now I have to I have to I have to explain the source of that clip. So that, that, I, I specifically wanted a clip for the, for the for the for the opening of this story. It had to be from a show called Almost Live, which was which was uh, uh, produced out of King Five in Seattle and. 
and I, and I believe it was in mostly in the nineties. They've tried to revive it. They used to call it, they, they called it the, the two, I think they, they tried to do something called the two zero six a couple of years ago. I don't know if that's still a thing or not, but anyway, that was Pat Cashman who actually is, uh, he's one of those guys. He, he's kind of got that Larry fucking Larry voice, you know, kind of that he, he, yeah. He does. He does a great Robert Stack impression for sure. Yes. Um, yeah. He was. He was always featured on the commercials for Taco Time. I believe is one of his. One of his. One of his. Uh, what he was spokesperson. That's for. totally a regional thing. Yeah, it's totally a regional thing. So, so needless, like I said, I had to have something from that, and I, that was there was. I think there's some other clips here I could have. I could have played, especially like uh, the high five and guys in Ballard or something like that. I could. I mean, but it wouldn't. Have, I, I think this is. I think this kind of. I, I thought this was probably a little more accessible than than. Well, that maybe one. we need to tell the people why that clip is. So so appropriate. Yes. A Seattle comedy club canc- uh, canceled on four stand-up comedians after angry community activists complained, according to the comedians involved. The, the shows at Capitol Hill Comedy Bar uh, purportedly offended left-wing community activists and progressive comics. Now, the, the news broke as comic Shane Gillis has finally performed on and hosted NBC Saturday Night Live following his termination before even appearing because activists feigned outrage at politically incorrect bit. Now, four comedians were scheduled to perform in Seattle throughout the year. Dave Smith, Louis J. Gomez, Jim Florentine, and Kurt Metzger. All are known for either being right of center or unwoke. The comedians say they received an email from the club owner and booker, Jess Anderson, who is also a stand-up comic, saying the gigs had to be canceled. Now, the decision came after, quote, discussions with our team, investors, local comedians, and the neighborhood advocacy groups, according to an email posted by Florentine and Metzger that was sent to their manager. Capitol Hill is known for its progressive values, and we're received significant feedback expressing concerns about the alignment of these upcoming shows with the neighborhood's ethos. The feedback includes concerns from local advocacy groups that deeply embedded in our community and work towards upholding its values, according to the email. Now, Anderson wrote that the cancellations were meant to avoid any potential negative impact on both our club and the artists involved, as well as to maintain the harmony within our community. Now, Metzger, uh, one of the comedians in the Seattle Comedy Club canceled, pointed out the venue is located in the former Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Chaz! That is the location where radical, violent activists took over six city blocks during the Black Lives Matter riots after the death of George Floyd. I remember those fucking things because I still lived near there. And I, of course, I wasn't going anywhere because it was during COVID. Like, how the hell do you, you know, how the hell do you uh, take over, uh, you know, when you're when you're supposedly locked down in your houses? Uh, how are you supposed to, uh, you know, how are you supposed to do something like that? Oh, wait, there's a bunch of homeless people that didn't have homes anyway and probably weren't following all the COVID guidance anyway. You know? Well, that and or, you know, we just turn a blind eye because, as we know, Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization that has nothing to do with standing up for the rights of black people. Well, it's it, run by fucking white people. Yeah, that's anyway. Yes. we Were I, you aware of that? No, I was not aware of that, but it doesn't surprise me. It's, it's all a big fucking cabal anyway. They're all signed. I, I recently became aware of the fact that Black Lives Matter is run by a white fucking person. And and it, it blows my mind. And I'm not going to have my racist rant about how it's perfectly fine for them to call us crackers and whitey in the snap. But good God, you call them a darkie or the N word and you're a fucking racist. But anyways, at that, uh, I think I'm so fucking over this. Yeah, I am, too. So fucking over this. I've fucking enjoyed every minute of it yeah we did and and you know now now we've uh now that we've done that i think uh we, we're supposed to do something like this to end this right is that, is that what we're doing we, we end it 
something like this. Yeah, we end it something like this. Jordan fades back, swoosh, and that's the game! Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Fucking A, let's quit the swearing.